Hello, welcome to the Roll Together podcast. Thank you for joining us for these podcast versions of our streamed shows from Twitch. You can always find our schedule of upcoming shows at twitch.tv forward slash RollTogetherRPG forward slash schedule. Please do leave a review and we look forward to adventuring together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Murderous Symphony. Thank you for joining us for an evening of Dungeons & Dragons. I'm Josh, and I'll be your Dungeon Master tonight. We're thrilled to be streaming at twitch.tv forward slash RobTheOtherRBG. A Murderous Symphony takes place in Neverwinter, roughly two to three weeks after the events of At Death's Door and Caesar's Defiance. The bloat has been slowly disappearing. However, there have been reports of people throughout the city going missing. Our players have been hired as private investigators to look into a group of murders that have taken place in the Blue Lake Theatre. For those of you who are new to Dungeons & Dragons, everyone here plays fantasy characters in a fantasy universe. The five players each have their own unique character sheets that tell them who they are, what they do, and their deepest secrets, and also what dice to roll. They'll mostly be rolling a d20, a 20-sided dice, which I have here which will tell them whether they succeed or fail, Uh, 20 being very good and a 1 being hilariously bad. And whilst they play their characters, everything else in this fantasy universe is played by me, people, monsters, weather patterns, strange music, you name it. Between me describing the world and the story, the players describing what they want to do, and some dice rolls just to keep things that little bit more unpredictable, we will tell our story. Now, let's meet the players, followed by a few words from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Niall, and I'm playing Amun-Ra, a far traveller from the far reaches of Zakara. Come to Neverwinter hunting vampires, but maybe he has deep-seated issues himself. Maybe those things will probably come into play during this horror session we've got going on. But who knows? We'll see. Boogity boogity. Hi, I'm Scarlet. I'll be playing Mizana from Azana's Emporium of Glorious Goods and Trade. I'm the half-elf artist artificer that loves to investigate and tinker. Also rides on a giant beetle. Hi, I'm G, uh, and I am going to be playing Rion. Um, Rion is a pickpocket, changeling, street urchin, uh, young youngster that um, has grown up on the streets of Neverwinter and currently uh, their friend Mask has gone missing. There's a bunch of murders happening in the city and uh, they want to find a friend. So they're going to investigate. Hi, I'm Sean and I will be playing Rhododendron, or Rody for short. Um, Rhododendron was last seen running for his life at the end of Isradel, the roving house. Um, but what has he been up to since then? Well, he's set up shop in Neverwinter with Mizana and um, has just been kind of playing it a bit easy, like not really taking too many adventuring jobs, trying to play it safe. However, something about this one piqued his interest, so we'll see where that leads him. Hi, I'm Nat, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm going to be playing Ak, who uses they, them pronouns. Ak is a knowledge cleric, Kenku, and they work at the Temple of Ogmar in Neverwinter under the watchful gaze of Dr. Agatha Whipplestitch, who is the, uh, the, the mortician there who's been taking a, a lot of interest in um, a lot of the dead bodies that have been happening in Neverwinter over the, the last couple of months. Who can tell why there's been loads of dead bodies? Sean, Sean can uh, watch watch his previous campaigns. Um, Ak has a, a curious mind and, uh, and is excited to be uh, given the responsibility to go out and do some investigating. 
This stream will run for three hours, and there will be roughly a five to ten minute break somewhere towards the middle. We run shows on Mondays, Tuesdays and Fridays at 6pm Greenwich Meridian slash British Summertime, which is 10am Pacific Time, 1pm Eastern Standard Time, 7pm in mainland Britain, and 2am Tuesday mornings in Japan and parts of Australia. On Mondays, we run TTRPG streams. These can be one shots, four, six, eight, whew, or even 12 weeks long. You can always find our latest schedule at twitch.tv slash rolltogetherrpg slash schedule. On Tuesdays, we have our ongoing campaign, Fracture. And on Fridays, we have our talk show, Talk Together and Talking is a Free Action, which lasts for one hour. We are Roll Together RPG on all socials, so find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even TikTok. Links in chat. Thank you to our D20 Club on Patreon. Uh, you can find a link in chat, help us make our shows from just one pound, one dollar, or one gold piece, and unlock more tiers by joining. Our D20 Club are fab. Uh, they've created a fan Discord for us. Um, they've also made a wiki page for Roll Together. You can find that at rolltogether.fandom.com. Uh, welcome to our podcast listeners. Um, if you also would like to listen to us via podcast, you can search Roll Together RPG on your favourite podcast provider. If we're not there, let us know and we will add ourselves to that list. Finally, we play with a diverse group of players who play a diverse set of characters with wide-ranging sexual and gender identities. Our tables are trans and GNC positive, and we encourage and champion trans and GNC players and characters in our games. The DM and players may portray characters that are of a different gender to their own. We aim to avoid misgendering, but acknowledge that it does sometimes happen. And we have a company policy in place for correcting people on pronouns. If we miss an instance of misgendering, we are open to being corrected. So please do let us know if you think one has been missed you can check out explanation point safety in in chat for content warnings and some of the safety tools that we use through the ttrpg safety toolkit and i think with all of that it's time to begin Our adventure begins within the city of Neverwinter. A few weeks have passed since a strange rain, since a strange rain, sorry, my words, that caused people to become sick and even mutate into aberrations affected parts of the city. Neverwinterians, because that's a word, have begun to notice the bloat has started to dissipate and a lot of the people have put this down to the amazing work that the Abail have done since they've been here. There have also been rumours of a large explosion or implosion of sorts that has happened in the nether winter woods, but nobody is 100% sure because nobody's brave enough to go and check what's actually happened. However, putting all that aside, our adventure starts like any classic D&D adventure, and you can all groan as much as you want, it starts in a tavern. Woo! Hey! Love Not just bit. any tavern. The Sleeping Dragon Tavern, to be exact. The sound of patrons enjoying themselves can be heard from the streets around, and as we enter into the tavern itself, we get a very strong smell of the various drinks and foods that are located within this establishment. 
In one of the corners, sitting in a booth, are two figures. The first is a well-known figure, Melnor Sinclair, a human in their late 30s, early 40s, with shoulder-length red hair tied up in a bun, and they're wearing a black shirt and black trousers with a red waistcoat. Melnor is known as a handler, who is someone that gathers information in and around Neverwinter and gets quests and gives them out to adventurers for a small profit because Lord Neverember does not allow guilds within the city itself. So somebody needs to do something to earn a bit of money. Sitting next to them is a figure that Melnor themselves are quite familiar with. G, could you introduce your character, please? Sure. Um, so sitting next to them is Rion, who at this point looks like maybe a 13 or 14 year old um, elf, um, quite kind of skinny and malnourished uh, male, um, and just sort of dressed in quite ragged, like quite a ragged top. Uh, it's all, it's very loose and baggy. It's got sort of patches on it. In particular, there's one red patch uh, on the left arm, um, but in a, in a kind of quite inconspicuous way as though it's, it's very much, it looks like it's just, you know, a patch to repair a hole, but it is, um, it is more of a, a signifier than that, which we're not going to give away anymore at the moment. Um, but yeah, so uh, yes, Young, skinny, dark elf. Uh, not dark elf. Young, skinny elf with uh, dark hair, I should say. And as you're both sitting there, the booth itself looks very empty because you're the only two there. Melnor leans forward with their arms, with their elbows on the table, hands very similar to how I'm doing. And now, podcast listeners, my fingers are interlinked uh, with various different rings on their fingers. And they just look over to you and say, are you excited to go on your first adventure? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, well, you know, I uh, I'd really like to find Mask. Uh, I'm quite worried about her, you know. Yes, Mask and Shadows has been missing for quite a while now. Um, the rest of the group have not been the same since since she went missing. Uh, hopefully, this investigation will turn up some leads for for yourselves and also for the people that you'll be working with. I put the utmost trust in all of them who are taking part, so you have nothing to worry about, okay? Thanks, I, uh, I appreciate your help with this. I really do. Anything for my little, my little, uh, vagabonds? And at that point, the door to the tavern opens, and three figures walk in. The first is an elderly female gnome. Walking with a cane, her grey and brown hair is plaited and pulled back into a bun very similar to how Melnor's is, but she's wearing robes that are of the Temple of Ogmar, or the House of Knowledge as it's known in Neverwinter. The gnome instantly notices Melnor sitting over in the corner and gestures to her two companions to follow her. The first is Nat. Could you introduce your character, please? Yes. Uh, standing tall behind the elderly gnome lady is Ak. Uh, also dressed in the, the flowing dark robes of the Temple of Ogmar. Um, a, a very sort of uh, slight, slightly twitchy, um, prim-looking Kenku. Um, the, their robes are a little bit... a little bit scrappy. Like, they look like they've been torn and frayed over the years and meticulously and carefully 
um, sewn and patched up, much like Rion's clothes, I suppose. Um, but it looks like rather than being uh, allowed the money to purchase new robes, they've just refixed and refixed and refixed these ones. And they don't have access to a mending cantrip, clearly. Um, or maybe they've spent their pocket money on other things. But they will they will follow uh, the elderly gnome's lead. And following close behind the pair of you, Niall, could you please introduce your character? Uh, Amun stands uh, around about like 5'10", 5'11", hard to tell with his boots on. Um, he wears yeah, knee-high boots and quite baggy pants with a leather brace, like belt bracer. Uh, with like different bags attached to it, probably because he's been traveling for a long time. He wears like um, a white linen shirt and a nice vest. And on one arm, he has a bracer uh, of the same red and a lot of different symbologies of like the sun on it. Uh, that's also marked out on his vest in sort of like stitches. And then on the other arm is bandaged up um, with with not clean bandages. They're, they're quite dirty. They've been rough and ready and worn. And then on top of his shoulders, uh, currently down, is a lovely cloak of bright blue um, with wonderful gold patterns on. He is, uh, he's dark-skinned, but but not, um, not, he's more like, more of my complexion, basically. Uh, with very short hair, short back and sides, uh, cut to his skin so that nothing can grab onto his hair. But he can have a little bit of a play with it when he's bored. And he has uh, words yeah. shaved into it. No, 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 Elvish. Um, he does have uh, faint scars that litter his body, and uh, what skin there is on show is usually just a little, just a little bit sort of faint with little lines of I don't know, being thrown in a bush or being thrown off a cliff or whatever he's got himself into. Um, yeah, that's someone. And as the three of you approach the table and take your seats, Melnor, still leaning forward, will gesture towards the elderly gnome. Ah, Dr. Whipplestitch, it's good to see you. I see you've brought some compatriots with you. Uh, let, uh, let me get you some drinks. And she waves, uh, sorry, they wave their hand and a member of the waiting staff comes over with a bunch of pre-made drinks. They're non-alcoholic and they push them onto the table and give them to the three of you. And Dr. Whipplestitch, the elderly gnome, will sit up the table and will look over to Melnor with her cane down on the on the floor and go, yes, dear, yes, um, I have brought these two whippersnappers with me because they will be taking my place in this investigation. Don't worry, don't worry. Ak has been training under me for many, many moons and they are just as good as I am. Melnor will gesture towards Back with a nod and just look you up and down. Okay, that's fine. Right, okay, so uh, still waiting for a few more people. Um, two more, I believe. Um, uh, I don't quite know where they are, and as they go on to say that, the door opens again and everybody takes a look and then has to look down. Sean, could you introduce your character, please? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am playing, and here's where I have to uh, read my own notes. Rhododendron, Jinzik, Butterscotch, Scaramouche, Montgomery, Dax. Um, Rhododendron is a uh, a gnome, about two and a half foot tall. Um, generally wears like a, a 
knee length um red coat uh with a with a waistcoat and kind of corduroy trousers underneath uh, and is also wearing a um metallic looking um apparatus on the back which is quite neatly tucked and folded away at the moment um he's got gingerish receding hair and a big old conch and as you step through the door melnor the rest of you will see that melnor has a brief look of surprise on their face and they stand up from the table and they go oh roddy roddy over here come on come on over here excellent i wasn't expecting to see you no, oh, oh, thank you very much. Oh, well, you know, it's nice to get out of the workshop every now and then, isn't it? It is, yes. I've sent you many job requests over the past oh, few weeks, few months, few years even, and this is the first one you've actually accepted. I'm very pleased to see you. Oh, well, you, you, you know, you've got to get out. You've got to, you, you get, you get, uh, you get cabin fever, don't you, if you stay in too long. Uh, I think it's been uh, uh, probably about five years now. Um, well, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, good, good. Right, so that means, uh, right, just waiting on one more person. Um, hopefully, they shouldn't be too long. I have heard they tend to arrive quite late to these things. I haven't got quite used to the streets of Neverwinter yet, as from what I hear. And as you all settle in, you can hear a small commotion come from outside. Uh, the sounds of what sounds like tires or a tire skidding on tarmac and then a small like crash bash noise outside and stumbling almost stumbling through the door is scarlet could you introduce your character please uh yep i'm playing mizana you see a lot of uh brown leathers and a lot of pouches a lot of tools hanging uh, the clothes are a mixture of work clothes and a little couple of patches of nice fabric but not a lot most of it's covered in grease and and uh, yeah <laughs> a lot of uh, crazy curly brown hair and uh, yeah a lot of cogs and stuff <laughs> as as Misana stumbles through the door, you hear the creaks and clockwork sounds of this strange creature that sort of flies up behind and lands on her shoulder, a mechanical pseudo-dragon as it is. It sort of wraps its tail around the one of the sort of lassos of maybe an apron or something that you're wearing and just nestles into the massive hair that you have on your head. Uh, Melnor will stand up and will gesture you over as well, and they will then gesture for one of the waiting staff to bring some more drinks over for those who don't have any drinks. And as everybody sits down, she will, or they will, sorry, lean forward with their hands interlinked again and go, right. So, uh, I believe that all of you are at least a little bit acquainted with each other to some degree. Uh, for those of you who are not, uh, this fine person sits out next to me is uh, Rion. They will be joining you on your adventure. Rion, would you like to introduce yourself to the group? Uh, hi there, everyone. Uh, I guess the first thing is I'm not, not quite as young as I look. Um, and uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, uh, me and some of my uh, colleagues, we discovered uh, uh, this this murder had taken place in the theater. And, uh, well, one of my friends has gone missing. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to find out what happened and look, 
thanks for, for your help and advice, I suppose. Fantastic, yes. And uh, going on to straight on to the mission at hand, as, uh, as Rion has said, uh, there is uh, a murder or a group of murders that have happened in the Blue Lake District. Now, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, the Blue Lake District is uh, separate in terms of its following of uh, Lord Hinderas. Um, Sorry, sorry. Uh, and they look over. Sorry, Lord Neverember. Um, they don't follow any laws or anything that uh, that he, the, the Lord himself has in place. So they're almost separate from the rest of the city. The Blue Lake District is um, it's like a territory type war going on between uh, various different groups. The, just think of the Nashes, the Dead Rats, those types. Uh, they they fight over various parts of territory, although they all have a mutual agreement that certain areas of the Blue Lake District itself are cons considered neutral grounds where no fighting will take place, uh, allows for people to become uh, profitable in their own regard. And the Blue Lake Theatre, where these murders take place, is one said place. Now, as I said, there are rumoured to have been three people that have been murdered within the theatre itself. This happened last night. Uh, groups of or members from the Nashes and the Dead Rats have retained some of the staff that work there in order for them to be questioned. But both groups and other groups that are part of the Blue Lake District have refused to go into the theatre itself as to not break any of these rules that they've put into place themselves. This is why they've hired a group of private investigators and Thanks to Rion and his little group of miscreants, uh, I was able to get this job first, which is why I am presenting it to all of you now. Now, of course, if any of you have any questions that you'd like me to answer, I am more than happy to do so. But please, feel free. The table is yours, as it were. And they tap on the table. I have a, I have a quick question. Yes? This is not alcoholic, is it? All, all the drinks provided are non-alcoholic, yes. Give me one second. Um, I'm going to get up, take his drink, go to the bar, order an alcoholic drink, come back with it and sit back down. Each to their own tastes, yes? Sorry, now we can start. Okay. Uh, was there any other questions? Well, uh, I've, I've got a question, actually. Um, uh, Zana, who's man in the shop? Oh, excuse me one moment, everyone. I thought we sorted that out before we left. Uh, well, I thought it was your. I thought it was your day. No, I'm. I'm sure that was. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was your day. Uh, so right, I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll message someone. I'll message someone. It'll, it'll be right. Be right. All right. All right. Oh, sorry, everybody. Beg your pardon. <clears throat> And um, Ak has just been throughout this entire conversation has sort of acquired a straw from the bar and is sort of awkwardly trying to in in their beak trying to like drink um, like sideways just trying to get a proper drink. It doesn't quite work, but uh, yeah. so does does nobody have any questions about the job in particular for me? All right. Oh no, please. Oh. No, no. After after you, Mazana. Uh, these murders last night, uh, is it new? Do we have documentation on it? Like, 
she gets out a, a, a folder full of uh, pictures of missing people and, uh, and any details that she's had from it. Is it new? What kind of details? What, uh, where? Uh, how? Do we know anything? Unfortunately not. As, as it is a neutral territory for the groups there, none of them have actually been inside to process the scene itself. So when you arrive, you will find the bodies will still be there. They have not been taken out yet until they are given the go-ahead by yourselves. Uh, the bodies will not be removed until that moment. Um, as far as we are aware, uh, there are three victims involved um, and that is all that we are aware of at the moment we have no uh, positive identification on them at present and to clarify excuse me if this seems insensitive uh was it sir, sir rion um your yeah. friend that is uh missing we do not believe that they are amongst the bodies i hope not uh i I don't think so. We'll sort of, we'll probably look at uh, Melnor for confirmation of that. As far as I'm aware, uh, there have not been any confirmations of, of who has died there, I'm afraid. Unfortunately, you will not know until you uh, get there yourselves. And then we best get there. And he, Almon will just down his drink set it down, stand up and be like, shall we go? Oh, 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 all right. Yeah, I suppose so. I kind of take my presumably shot glass, which is actually a beaker to me, and just... What, what? Try to do the same, probably get a fair amount of it down myself. Prestige uh, to take myself dry. Mel will... Uh, 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 don't worry, I was going to say uh, uh, we could get you a... Uh... Uh, travel cups if you'd like but um if you'd like oh, to yes, down please. it oh yes yes um they'll click their hands and somebody will come over with some travel mugs and you can pour your drinks into those and take those with you they're not hot drinks so they're just basic almost like cardboard type you know the types that you get from costa or something like those types of travel mugs that you can take with you um there you go well, uh, before we leave, we'll sort of sidle to uh, to Dr. Whipplestitch. Uh, Doctor, I just wanted to double check. Was there anything particular you think I should be looking out for? I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that you've given me to go out on my own to do this, but uh, any last tips? And she'll look towards you and put a hand on your shoulder and give it a very soft squeeze. Uh, just do what I've taught you, you know, make sure you examine the bodies themselves to make sure you understand what has caused them to die. Uh, see if if there are patterns of artillery, arterial spray or anything like that, uh, and try and find some evidence on who the killers might be. Um, just, just be confident in your skills. You are very good. Okay, and I will be at the temple waiting for you when you return. I will send some of I will send some of the other clerics up to the district to retrieve the bodies, and they will take the bodies out when you are finished. Just just so that, that these groups don't have to enter and break any treaties or anything that they have. Duly noted. I shall ensure that they manage to do that. Yes, 
Okay, fantastic. And looks up towards Armin. Please look after her. She's very important to me. I'm on a bound. It is fine. I will make sure the duck is fine. They will be completely safe. Yes. I meant they. Sorry. And Dr. Whipplestitch will stay sat down as as you all get up and um, she moves closer towards Melnor and almost taps her glass up against Melnor's. Oh yes, uh, I think we have some catching up to do, don't we? And they begin having a conversation. It is up to you what you wish to do now. You can stay and talk some more or you can begin making tracks. Um, I was going to say, while Ak was talking to sorry, Whipple, Whipple Snitch? Whipple Stitch. Whipple Stitch. Um, I, I would go to turn to Melnor and just say, uh, who's, is anyone paying you for this one? Or is this just like as an angler? Or is this just for us? Oh, yes, yes. I should have said that beforehand, shouldn't I? Yes, there is a fee, or you will all be paid 150 gold for this particular job. This is after my cut, of course. But uh, yes, it's a very lucrative, very lucrative uh, opportunity for all of us. Both of the uh, the Nashes and the Dead Rats, I believe, have both chipped in to pay this. So this is going to be very good for all of us, I think. Miss Zanna, do you have 150 gold's worth of trinkets and broken bits in your shop that I could purchase after this? Of course, darling. You're, you're always welcome at the, to prove my wares. You know that. Excellent. I look forward to it. Of course. And if, there, if there's nothing else, you are all able to leave the Sleeping Dragon Tavern and begin making your way towards the... Um, when we get outside the door... Uh... Rion would just kind of over his shoulder look at everybody and just go, all right, then follow me. Um, because Rion, as an urchin, has a feature called City Secrets, which means I can get places through the city twice as fast as normal. Okay, that's definitely going to cut time down. And as you exit the tavern, the first thing that you see, sort of laying in a bunch of broken crates and barrels is a rather large mechanical beetle of some sort that as soon as Misana exits the tavern gets up and begins almost waddling its way over towards her and nestling up. Ah, Beatty. Does anyone want to ride with me? There's plenty of space. Oh, yes, yeah. Ah, a pawn. So the beetle itself rolls up into a large ball and you can see that there is a saddle that is attached to it. And as it moves around, the saddle itself doesn't move. But there's enough space for three of you to get on, four if you're of a smaller category. I will not be upset if you want to get on the the beetle. It is very cool. I will walk. It is fine. I think Rion has already climbed on top at this point. Um, Rody is going to uh, just kind of looks looks up and uh, no, today's not the day. Um, I'll, I'll walk. I'll walk. We're super close, though. I saw it in your eye. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right. All right. Tomorrow. Are you sure? I, I I can make room. Uh, I'm actually 
Now, would um, would Amun go by Amun Ra exclusively, or like would uh, just Sarah Amun? Ra? Yeah, Ra's his last name, as far as he's concerned. So he just call him like Amun. It's totally fine. I, Ak would give the honorific. Um, so we'd just turn and, and say, uh, Sarah Ra, if you've not had a chance to to ride upon the Mizana's beetle, then please do. We'll hop off. You it, want to experience fine. it. No, no, I, I, I've, I've encountered this before, so you should have a try. Okay, uh, and I'll saddle on, and then be like, okay, so this thing, I just hold on to what now? Well, you can either hold on to me, or there's little handles on the side. Okay, I'll take one handle and one on your back. <laughs> All right, it's not that bumpy, I promise. And as Misana says that, the beetle moves, and it's almost like one of those quick jolt propulsion type things where it just jolts forward very quickly. You, mm-hmm. the, the, those of you who are riding get knocked back a little bit, but then you instantly stabilize and begin rolling along the pavement. You do see uh, there are quite a few people in the streets who are giving very curious looks towards the beetle mechanical beetle riding people. And those of you who are choosing to walk can walk very casually behind. The beetle doesn't speed off at 30 miles an hour or anything like that. It you know, keeps pace with those who are walking. It's just a nice leisurely stroll towards the Blue Theater. Uh, sorry, the Blue Lake District. Could I be making perception checks the whole way there? You can certainly make a perception check if you'd like, yeah. Yeah, just trying to keep sort of like learning my surroundings, seeing if there's anything out of place, seeing if there's anyone watching me, that kind of thing. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rion, you can also make a perception check. If, in fact, all of you can make perception checks if you'd like to. I mean, perception's not my greatest skill, I'm going to be honest. Twelve. That is a dirty twenty for me. Seventeen. I got an 18. Awesome. And sorry, Ak, what did you roll? 24. 24, wow, okay. Sorry, I have a gnat in my room. Yeah, not yeah, an act. Yeah. I have a gnat. It's an act. <laughs> anyway. So, um, Rion, as the lowest roll, you have a little look around as you're travelling on the beetle, and you do manage to spot just one person just in the side of an alleyway not paying any attention to you yourself, but they're sat down on the floor with possibly uh, what looks to be like a blanket or a sleeping bag or something over them, and they do have a very similar red patch on their right arm. The rest of you would not notice this because it's not they're not doing anything that would stand out toward to you in particular. It's just something for Eon. For Ak, you notice that there are a couple of injured, a lot of injured people, a lot of people who are coughing and splurting, and they are making their way towards various different temples that are located within. You know that some of them are making their way down towards your own temple. Since the uh, temple of Kelimvor is currently closed, a lot of the sick and injured and dying that would go to that temple have begun spreading out to other temples in the city and there's been a bit of an overload on at some of these temples so you notice a lot of those for Amun you notice that there are 
a lot of there's a lot of guard presence around, especially outside the tavern. And all of you would know that since this strange rain that has peppered parts of the city, uh, there has been a slight increase in the Neverwinter Guard in in the other areas of the city itself. And for Miss Zana, you you're mainly focused on driving so you're able to dodge and evade any potholes or anything to make the ride as smooth as possible for everybody else and your little pseudo dragon friend stays sat firmly on your shoulders uh, probably digging their claws into the loose parts loose fabric parts of your armor to make sure it doesn't go flying off when every now and then when your beetle decides to jump forward And as you make your way around the Neverwinter Castle, because you need to go past the Neverwinter Castle in order to get to the gates that lead into the Blue Lake District, you can see that it's very derelict. Um, well, it looks very derelict. You're not 100% sure if there's anybody who's living in it at the moment because of things that have happened since the ruining of Neverwinter. Um, but anyway. We've lost past that for the moment. That could be a story for another time, perhaps. <laughs> you approach the gates that lead into the Blue Lake District, and as you get closer, you can see that there are a group of Neverwinter guards who are on this side of the gate who are speaking to people who are trying to come and go between the district itself. You can see that they are questioning people, they're checking bags, any weapons or anything they find they're confiscating and putting to one side any weapons or anything that people are trying to take into the district they seem to be allowing i will we'll go off of that with everybody's perception checks and as you all approach you are approached by i said approached quite a lot i apologize but you uh, a guard comes up to you uh what is your business in the blue leg district they're murder mostly we're not, we're not doing the murder. We're looking into the murder. The, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, we have been sent by one uh, Sir Melnor Sinclair to, to investigate the incidents at the theatre. Uh, at the theatre? Uh, uh, okay, yeah, right. Um, uh, yes, uh, it looks you all up and down. Uh, uh, righty here, right. Uh, off you go. Yes, please um, enter in. We won't take any weapons or anything off of you or any details. Yes, please go through and you are allowed to enter into the district. Does anybody happen to have a passive perception over 15? I do have a question. Yes. Um, but do you want to do your passive perception thing? And then I'll... I don't have a passive perception over 15. Mine's it... over 14. It is one is your question directed at one of the guards? Yeah. Yep, you can ask that question first. Oh, I'm sorry. You've not been taking details of anybody or weapons of anybody who's been coming in and out of this area. Uh, uh yeah, yes, yes we have. We have it's just uh, uh with the particular line of work that you have said that you are doing, um I'm we're not going to take your details. Uh, we don't tend to take details for people who go out of the district into the Blue Lake district, but those who are coming in, we will take their details just in case. But if we were coming back out, you wouldn't need our details, would you? No, 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 we won't need your details now. You have said what you of are course. doing? Yes. yes. So no, anybody no. who is saying what they were doing, you wouldn't take their details? No, no, no. We, we are very loosey-goosey with our rules here. I can tell. Yes. 
<laughs> just sort of turn, turns away, just shaking his head. Is that not? Uh, would that? Does that imply that when we are to return to this side of the gates, we would have to leave you our details? No, no, no. We will remember your faces. You will be able to pass. To be honest with you, I won't be on duty when you probably come back for you. I finish in about ten minutes, so whatever the next guard group decide to do is up to them. I just, you know, just want to do my nine to five and go home. If I'm honest. You're a very good guard. Thank you. I'm very proud of the work I do. Yes, you should be. It, it suits you perfectly. Thank you. Uh, off you go, off you go. And as you begin to pass through, with a passive perception, with a passive perception over 15 for act, you will hear said guard that you've just spoken to approach a small cluster of other guards. And you can hear a very worried conversation between him and them. Uh, you get the gist of, oh, Lord, I hope that this murder doesn't spark an all-out war in the Blue Lake District because Lord Never Ember will send us into fight and I really don't want to do that. It's the gist of what you get. I love this guard. I will uh, somewhat tactlessly sort of pause, turn around and say, do not worry, we are... Dr. Whipple, Dr. Whipplestitch says that you are very talented, Ak, you have all the skills you need, and, and we will solve it for you, and then you will not have to fight. He gives you a very, huh? For one, because you heard what he was saying, because it was almost like a whisper, and he just waves and goes, oh, okay. I, I waved to her and I said, don't worry, God, you won't have to do any more work than you're already failing to do. You say that as you have to turn around and wave towards him as you roll through the gate. They paid no attention to the beetle, by the way. Why would they? Oh, why yeah. would they? <laughs> Very inconspicuous. <laughs> Must have passed through this way anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so you enter into the Blue Lake District. And the first thing you notice is it is completely different to the rest of Neverwinter, or the areas that you've been to, at least. The streets themselves aren't clean. There are weeds that are growing up through various bits of concrete and stonework. There are There's rubbish that's littering the streets. The buildings have got very deep cracks in them, probably since the ruining that haven't been repaired. Whereas you would know that other parts of those of you who've been here long enough would know that when the ruining happened, there was a lot of reconstruction that happened around the city. But it doesn't look like the money's been invested into this particular district. In terms of people that you see around, it's it's exactly the same as the rest of Neverwinter. The only difference is there is no guard presence at all. What you see instead is a mixture of I don't want to say bandit-looking people, but bandit-looking people wearing mismatched parts of armor with various different symbols for the groups that they're a part of. You, the most prominent one that you see is the symbol for the Nashes. Uh, there's some other smaller groups that you can see. You don't see any dead rat symbols or anything like that around. But you're able to move your way through the streets. Uh, Rion, you would probably be the most knowledgeable about locations within Netherwinter, especially 
going through alleyways and streets and everything to get to places that you need to get to. So you are able to lead the group quite quickly towards the Blue Lake the Blue Lake Theatre, which is pretty much in the heart of this district itself. And as you approach, you can see that there is a bit of a commotion going on outside. There are a number of different figures. Uh, some of them are rat-like in appearance, so you would know these to be dead rats. Others are wearing similar armor that you've seen as you've come through the district, representing that they are Nashes. And you do see what looks to be uh, a large bee-like person who is sort of standing in between two uh, rat person and a strawberry blonde human person wearing a Nasher uniform. This uh, abale it has got their forearms, two, the two lower arms are behind their back. Uh, the other two are in front of them writing down on a piece of paper. They have a monocle, a rather large monocle over one of the eyes and they've got like a waistcoat tuxedo type thing on their top half and they seem to be taking notes as the these two figures are conversing and almost shouting at each other. And as you all get closer, the strawberry blonde haired person turns around uh, with like a swish of their hair and takes off the sunglasses that they have on their face. And as you approach, all right, name's H. Are you lot the ones that Melnor sent? You look, you look pretty capable. You are cleric, cleric to one of them EB gods there. Ogmar. Ogmar, that's the one. Yeah, right. Well, I don't care for symbols myself, but. Uh, you here to investigate these murders? You're wearing the symbol of the dead, of uh, the Nashers, do they? Never mind. Yes, yes, we are. Yeah, I'm not holy, but yeah, yeah, right. Um, we've uh, kept some of the uh, staff members who have stayed here, stayed overnight, you know, uh, just so you can question them if you need to about what happened. Uh, I personally don't know what happened. I was called here early hours of this morning. Bloody wake me up, stupid people killing each other in a neutral zone. But yeah, if you have any questions for them, you can. If you want to go inside and investigate, you can. And the one of the rat person who's there walks across and goes, excuse me, don't be telling them what they can and can't do without talking to me first. I might want to talk to them before they go in. Huh? Oh, sorry, sorry about that. And they almost pull forward a, like a waistcoat type thing on that they're wearing, that they're clearly not wearing. It's like an apron. Uh, the name's Din. I am Din of the Dead Rats. Uh, pleasure to meet all of you. Um, yes, uh, what he said. You can do exactly what he said. Thank you. Right. Yes. And the large uh, abale will look to all of you, nod, close their book. They don't say anything. They just turn around and fly off. Uh, shall we, then? Yeah, let's go and have a look. Sorry, I didn't get your name to the strawberry blonde person. Uh, the name is H. It's uh, short for Horatio. Thank you, Horatio, for a warm welcome. Yeah, it's all right. Now, go and solve these murders. And he sticks his glasses back on in a very CSI moment and then turns around and walks over to his group and they begin conversing over what's happened and Din just stands there, his tail wrapped around his feet, just tapping on the floor and he's just looking at all of you with seemingly a big grin on his face. Are you going to go in then? Yes. 
Uh, yeah. Unless you have something more you wish to share with us. Ah, uh, uh, looks over towards where the Nashes are, and is going to roll a dice. Bear with me, in the Mento. <laughs> they go into their armor and pull out something, and they go, if you don't mind sticking this on one of the bodies, that would be fantastic. And as they go to hand that over to you, Armin, Horatio walks straight over and goes, uh, excuse me, excuse me, don't you even think about giving them some sort of evidence to plant on their body so you can start some sort of turf war? Oh, oh. And he just runs off. The, the rat folk runs off. On earth? <laughs> Very uh, unprofessional. It's, it's, it's very unprofessional. Yeah, the dead rats are trying to sort of push in on more territory, trying to get into the neutral area and sort of take that over. Look, right, you didn't hear this from me, all right, but the dead rats have had a bit of a they've had a bit of a problem lately. One of their one of their dens is they've lost contact with it. Uh, I don't know quite near where it is. Apparently, it's somewhere near the chasm or something. And uh, they're a bit out of sorts because they've lost a large amount of territory, as it was, in, in the underground areas. So they're trying to encroach on our space. And, you know, they think if they start some sort of a turf war, they can, they can take what they want. And, you know, we ain't having it. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm sure we can come back to that later. Thank you for your wonderful greeting. <clears throat> right, yeah. Is the door big enough for Beatty to come in? Yep, door is plenty big enough for, for your beetle friend to come in. Uh, probably not big enough for you to... No, it would be big enough for you to ride on in because it would be large enough for Goliaths to go in and locks of dons and everything. So, yes, you could potentially ride them in. There is a lot of steps to get up there. Uh, I will get down if that is okay. Are you sure? You don't have to. No, it's fine. It has been it's been wonderful. The the, the bee is, is one, and I, I like slowly getting down. Just I'm like, glad you've enjoyed you know, you've it. You've been on a treadmill for too long, and you get that <laughs> weird feeling, because you've been walking forwards for so long, and I feel like I'm walking with a milk. I'm glad you joined. Anytime you want to come up, you just let me know. Okay. I will. I can. Beans. So, as you enter into the theatre itself, you can see that there are a group of staff members who are just to the left where the sort of like ticket booth area would be, and they're sat there and there are two Nashes sort of stood there keeping them in place sort of thing. You can see that they've got plenty of food and drink and stuff, and at one point one of them will say, I need the toilet, please, and one of the Nashers will escort them to the toilet and then bring them back. Uh, what would you all like to do? I'm going to leave this open for you. Would you like to discuss anything? Is there anybody you want to talk to in particular, or do you just want to go straight to the bodies? I would probably be heading straight to the bodies. Apart from anything, to confirm whether Rion recognizes any of them, but also to see yeah. what happened. I think, yeah, Rion would make a beeline for the bodies to check if any of them are masked in shadows. Thank you. Shall we maybe split up then? Or shall we all go to see the corpses? Or should some of us go to talk to the witnesses? Go take uh, some notes from the witnesses. All right, we'll go well, speak to the living and we'll go speak to the dead. 
I'll, I'll, I'll join you on, on, um, on dead duty. And I'll join you on living duty. Okay, so those of you who are going to speak to those who are living, you approach and they all look like they are probably under the age of 20. Uh, one of them sort of stands out amongst the rest because they are a halfling wearing a very uh, red concierge type clothing with a nice little buttoned waistcoat and they have quite a few spots around their face uh, probably look like they're probably about 17 or 18 years old uh, the two guards will part in order for you to approach them and speak to them and the halfling half, little halfling boy goes all right i'll go home yet i'm tired So sorry, you're tired. How long have you been here today? Uh, I started my shift at seven o'clock last night, and it's whatever the time is now. My oh, clock's not sweetie. working. Oh, would you like me to fix it for you? Yeah, sure. Instantly <laughs> starts tinkering. Okay. Not <clears throat> too long. Doesn't take much. You just. <laughs> Twist a couple of cogs and it starts ticking around again. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Uh, are you are you the ones, and he's constantly rubbing his eye, are you the ones who are here to question us? That's right. Me and my friend here. Oh, hi. My name's Herbert. Hi, Herbert. What a lovely name. Oh, th thank you. Um, a lot of people take the mickey out of me for that, but, you know, Herbert Fitzgerald... It's a beautiful name. It, very nice. Yes. Sorry, I've got I've got something in my eye. Uh, right. Uh, what what is it you want to know? What sort of questions you want to ask? I, I know it's a little sensitive, but who came across the bodies first? Was it you? Uh, it was everyone. It, it happened in the middle of a performance. Just some person just stood up and started attacking people and, and unfortunately two, two people got really hurt right. they haven't they haven't moved so i don't know if they're all right or if they need treatment or anything don't you worry we'll sort that out so it, it, it wasn't part of the performance it was just some rando in the audience or what was it no it was somebody from from what we from what i saw because i i see my job my job mm -hmm. is i'm one of the lighting people so mm -hmm. i stand up in the rafter area and i hold the lights and i and i point them down on the people who are performing and mm -hmm. so i got like a proper proper bird's eye view i did yeah, I, I really did and mm -hmm. um these people they were sitting oh, well, probably four rows from the back uh, and they were sitting there they were laughing they were joking quite quite happy people and then somebody about three rows in front just stood up and just lunged at them it was weird because they lunged over all of the other people that were in between them and just went for them huh? and everybody started screaming and running out and i almost fell from my perch because i didn't know what to do must have been quite a scene i'm so sorry you saw that well, well, thank you. It was it was quite it was quite horrifying. It's, you know, that's the first time somebody's actually asked how I'm feeling. Oh, darling, how are you feeling? Are you all right? Do you need to sit down? I'm already sitting down. Okay, do you need to Am lay I? down? If you're too stressed out, you can lay down and talk to me there. Actually, that sounds quite nice. You just lay mm. on the floor. 
the other people, the other employees are looking at him like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Can I, can I just like, cause, cause I hunt vampires, quite yes. a common thing for vampires to do is to charm people. And I guess I'm kind of used to figuring out when that's happened to someone. So mm-hmm. can I just watch, just throughout this whole time, I've been watching Herbert and all his mates just to see if there's anything a little bit sus. You just can, like an insight check. Yeah, yeah, you can make me an insight check for that, yeah. Uh, I would give you advantage on that because you are particularly honing in on vampirific charms. I mean, I got a natural 20 on the first roll. Okay. For a 24. Okay. Go for the double. See, no, it was a 14. Oh, if that was another natural 20, <laughs> that would just be the campaign over. You would have sold everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's the murderer, that boy there. It was Herbert in the office with the wrench. So, um, he just lays on the floor, yeah, all right, uh, yeah. So, he, he, he murdered him, he, he well, murdered them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a big, big hooded figure. Uh, there was a group of them. Uh, there was like, oh, how many were there? Uh, how many were there, Gerald? And one of the other people steps forward and goes, oh, I think there was four, five hooded figures. Oh, right, yeah. Well, they weren't all sitting together, were they? No, 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 they weren't. So th- th- people all over the audience all popped up and jumped on those particular people? No, no, it was just the one. Just the one oh. hooded figure. But there were other hooded figures that came in. They all came in together. Right. Can I they... can I set up yet? Only if you want to, darling. Yep, sit up. Alright, there you go. <laughs> For Amun, watching this, you can tell that there there is definitely you're not sure if it's vampire in nature, but there is definitely some sort of mind compulsion that's been put on this particular person and even the other staff members that are sort of sitting around them they're all almost following what herbert is doing but in very subtle ways so when herbert sits down they all begin to sit down themselves but at different intervals so they don't just it's not like they instantly do it together and when Herbert lays, as Herbert sits back up from laying down, you'll watch two of the other ones will begin laying down as well. And the others begin to get into a position to lay, start to lay down. And how many of them are in, in total? There's five in total. Right. Cool. <laughs> so. I have a question. Yes? The four hooded figures, what kind of hoods were they wearing? Uh, black ones. Oh, you, also, you have something in your eye, but... Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's really... I'll get to it. It's really... And you can see that as he begins scraping and scraping, see that it begins to get red and it's almost like he's... His nails aren't exactly trimmed and he begins sort of like begin to pull skin off from his nose and around his eyelid. Yeah, are the others copying him as well? You do see that a few of them begin to start itching, but not all. Of, but it's not in unison. Yeah, it's slowly. So, what kind of hoods were they? Uh, they, they were black hoods. Uh, they were quite. They had that. They had that strange, 
point to them so they were like pulled right down you couldn't see their facial features that much and they were nice and big and you know they were able to sort of cover up everything on them so you couldn't see anything and where were you and i'll point to a different um staff member where were you so this staff member that you point at is a female dwarf uh, i i I was I was doing the tickets. Oh, yeah, I was stood. I was in there. I was in the booth right there, and uh, they came in and they or they ordered four four tickets. Uh, I purchased. They gave them the tickets. They, when I said what seating arrangement did you want, and she spins around a large, almost like abacus type contraption, but it's got like seating arrangements on it, and you can spin the seating arrangement round to say I want this spot, I want that spot. So red indicates that spots taken, blue indicates that it's free. And you can see that they were all spun round to red, probably except for five or six seats. So it was almost a full house for last night's performance. Uh, yeah, and that, that for some reason they all didn't—they all didn't want to sit together. They all took different seats. Where were you? And I'll point to a different one. Uh, the other one goes. Uh, I, 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 I was behind. I was behind the bar. You see, there's a bar area over there, and uh, we serve drinks during the intervals of these performances because some of them are bloody long. You know, you know, you get three and a half hour performances. You know, there's some people's asses go dumb. And where are you? Next one. Uh, this would be the last one, and this one goes. Uh, I, 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 I. Um, you can see he's got like some food stains on his. On his uniform, uh, I, I'm the person that uh, that goes around with the uh, with the ice creams and the and the biscuits during the during the breaks and stuff. So anybody who doesn't want to get off, get up and go to the toilet and stuff, I'll sort of go around and sell stuff in between the stalls and things. Is there not one more? There's Herbert, the dwarf, the one who's at the bar, the one who sells ice creams and snacks. Isn't there yes. one more? There's five. Yes, there's one more. Uh, there is one more. This person is the largest and sort of sat at the back with their knee curled up with their knees, sort of doing all the different positions and rubbing the eyes and stuff. A Goliath wearing a suit, a uniform that is probably three times too small for them. Uh, yes, I'm the I'm the person that stands on the door on the inside once uh, everything has begun, just so it doesn't ruin the, uh, the, the, the ambience. And at this point, he starts rubbing his eye. Okay, I just need you all to stay here for maybe another hour or so. Oh, no, I'll call here. You get that come from all of them. Uh, so you, you do know people have been murdered, right? And Herbert just burst out crying because he didn't know that. <laughs> nice. Well, let's take this more seriously. And then I'll, I'll say, Miss Anna. And as you say, let's take this more seriously, Herbert instantly stops. You can see there's t still tears coming down his face, but he just instantly goes really serious. And the others begin to get serious facial expressions on their faces. Herbert. One at a time. Can you react how yes. you feel on the inside? And you just watch as his face just scrunches up and basically like he was a second ago he just starts bawling out crying okay now stop crying and he just stops you see I the others their faces begin to scrunch up and then they stop I look at Miss Anna and I say it's uh, unfortunate but I think I've found our killers potential or at least accomplices to such oh 
It's all right, everybody. Don't 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 worry. Just stay put. Just all sit down, have a lay down, whatever you need to do. Why 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 do you think that? Because they will now do exactly what you just said. And I'll just turn to them all. <laughs> you see, I imagine like, they'll just sit play. down, lay down, sit back up, stand up, sit down, lay down, sit back up. They get very confused. Okay, everybody, stay calm, sit down, and wait for me to come back. And they do exactly that. Right, let's go find the others. Speaking, right. speaking of the others, as the rest of you walk into the main theatre itself, it is very large. There are three rows of probably 100 seats each, with aisles going down the middle. And you can instantly see where these bodies are, because they're the only bodies that are in the seating area. Four rows down in the centre aisle, there are two figures that look like they're slumped backwards over the back of the chairs. That's all you can see at the moment as you approach. Is there anything in particular you'd like to do as you approach the bodies, or do you just want to go straight there and start? Rian would just go straight over to see who they are. Okay, so as you go over, I'm going to need... I reckon this would be a history check from both Ak and Rody, please. Hmm. Do that, maybe, unless the dice deceive me. Ah, not that 20. Just catching up. I think I'll just roll that. Uh, 13 for me. Okay, so for Rody, you recognize these people. They're people that have been into your shop once or twice in the past couple of months, but the names just escape you. But for Ak, you know these two as Mr. and Mrs. Rockland. They are elderly humans um, in their late 50s, early 60s. They're both wearing... I'm sorry, Josh. Elderly in their late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, that's elderly to me. going to be people who are angry about that. Elderly looking. Now, they look like they, they're in... You know time has not been good to them. Time has <laughs> yes. yeah, had a rough time. Time has not been good to them. And time has in not their been 50s, good. 60s, look like they're 90s, 100s. Yes. Yes. Uh, time has taken their toll on them. And that is because you know them because you recently, probably in the past three months were uh, you and Dr. Whipplestitch prepared their one of their sons for a funeral. He had died due to a complication with the bloat. Um, and they were very uh, appreciative of yours and Dr. Whipplestitch's efforts in caring for him and seeing him through his uh, funeral rites and everything. They're wearing very... They're wearing nice clothing, but you can instantly tell that it's the sort of clothing that you would get from a... like a, a tailor to hire for the for the evening, like sort of on the cheap end. But it looks like they've come out for a night out. And as you get closer to them, you can see in the sort of footwell bit of where they're sitting, there is another figure, a hooded figure, that you didn't notice before 
but you can't see anything to do with them. It's just there's this all hood at the minute. If you'd like to, Ak, you can make a medicine check with advantage because you are because you are an expert at dead people um, to determine how they died, if you'd like. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, funnily enough, I've not taken proficiency in wisdom, but I'll take the advantage. Uh, okay, that is an 18. 18. So you can see that the that Mr. Rockland has been stabbed multiple times in the chest area, and Mrs. Rockland has got a single wound to the top of her head. It looks mm. like a bludgeoning wound. Right, okay. Um, can I glean from the, the stab wounds on Mr. Rockland, like the, the size of the blade, and it's specifically thrust stabs and not a big slash? Yep, so it looks to be the size of probably a, a small knife or maybe even a dagger. And if you were to investigate, like go up to the body and like start poking and prodding it and everything like that, you could tell that each of these stab wounds are very shallow, but there is one, each of them except for one, are very shallow. The deepest one is close to where the heart area is. It uh, looks like this is a act of rage. Hmm. Curious. I would probably try and um, I mean, I'm I'm not strong at all. So I'd probably sort of look to to Rion. Uh, actually, now that we're here, check with Rion. Uh, I, I recognize these two. I'm assuming that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rockland are not the missing member of your group. No, no, they're not. No. Uh, I don't suppose the two of you could assist in perhaps laying these uh, mm. bodies out on the floor, uh, including that one there, so we can get a better look. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, but I'm not the strongest. Yeah, no problem. Get out of the way. Uh, and... Rion will go over to one of them and try to haul it out of the seat. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty strong as it is, so it's not going to require a check or anything for you to do. Yeah, so despite despite their diminutive size, quite easily just hauls this dead, or sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Cadaver? Corpse? Yeah, no, the the word's gone. Like the, the... when you're trying to lift somebody and they do the just dead weight, dead weight. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. So impressive. You, very impressive. You pick up the two bodies and you place them both down in the aisle, and you go for the third body, and you pick them up and you place them down. Uh, instantly, the first thing that you recognise is that they are human. For the check that you did before, Ak, you also recognise this figure. This figure is the other son of the Rocklands, uh, who was also present at the funeral. However, you had heard that they were they went missing two weeks ago. Huh. And so as I'm as I'm picking up the body, I just go, "This isn't mask either." So, wait a minute. No, this is the the Rockland's remaining son. Uh, I I should clarify, I I know these people, they had another son who unfortunately passed from the bloat not too long ago. 
interesting that uh, do I know the name of the other Rockland son? Artemis. Artemis. Or Artie. Uh, interesting why that. You, why do you think Artemis someone would want to kill them all? Hmm. Do I have uh, any inkling, any gossip I'd heard about them? Uh, they, they seemed nice enough, um, but DM anything that I would know about them beyond temple chatter? No, but as Artie's body is placed down, you do notice that his skin is very... He's got cracks in his skin leading up from his neck right up to his face. And underneath it, where you think there would be red or blood or something, there's a very strange blue glow that sort of streaks up his right cheek and sort of ends at a almost very small hole in his head that looks like it's exploded outwards. And you can see there's a very dim, faint blue glow underneath. And where the scarring is around his cheek area, it looks like it's been charred as if... Or, Rody, you would get this analogy quicker than what um, Ack would. It looks as if a fuse has been lit and has travelled up the crack and then exploded from the head. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, well, look, it, it was kind of like a fuse wire, like... the the. the you know, it's ignited and it's in, you know, out the explosives and that sort of thing. Like a in, in in the red. I mean, that's that's what I, from a mechanical standpoint, would recognise. But um, it does seem um, it does seem unlikely. But can I can I start inspecting the body and seeing if they had any kind of mechanical prosthetics or anything like that? Yeah, you can make me an investigation check. I would love to. Whilst Rody is starting to investigate the body, Ak is furiously writing notes in their notebook, but will you'll just hear um as they're doing that, um, parroted over the top uh, to Rody, just uh like uh, Dr. Whipple stitches like rules for dealing with cadavers and making sure that you're touching them with respect and uh like how to carefully turn the arms or whatever you're trying to do. Just be like, oh yes, and 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 first you must examine all the fingernails and and careful, don't move the arm in this fashion because you might break things. And and you'll just hear that parroted to you. No, oh, very helpful. Oh, useful. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, that was a uh, twenty non-natural. Okay, so you have a little look around the body. You don't find anything on the torso or on the legs but when you get to the arms there's one arm that has been covered up pretty much the entire time and as you pull the cloak away you can see that there is a almost like a gauntleted contraption on their hand and it looks like it's got two vials that are sticking out of the gauntlet itself one of them is empty and the other one seems to have a strange green liquid inside of it Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, I suspect this could be to do with it, perhaps. Is that anything that you recognise? I mean, would I recognise it beyond knowing that it is uh, some sort of contraption for presumably injecting something into them? Make... 
I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's something to something to inject into them. You can make me a tinkerer's check with advantage because it's your area of expertise, and mm-hmm. I will allow Ak to also make a history check to see if they recognise anything from it as well. Okay. Uh, would you say that which which skill should I use? Like in, intelligence? Are you thinking? Yes, for this particular tinker and check intelligence. Yeah. I will pick one of my imps with that one for a ten this time. That's only a fourteen from me. Okay, okay. So for Ak, the green liquid, you recognise it. You can't quite put your finger on what it is because it looks slightly different you think hmm. possibly that it might have something to do with the bloat but it doesn't look the same as when you've done experiments with it it's almost got a less plaguey look to it if that's a way that you could look at the bloat it looks almost like it's been refined in a way, but you're not 100 percent sure. Refining the plague. Yeah, refining the plague. Mm-hmm. Or Rody, uh, as mm-hmm. you said before, yes, this is a contraption that is used to inject into the creature. Uh, as you sort of uncovered the arm a bit, you can see that something, whatever liquid was in the empty vial, has been injected into the body, and you can see that there are blue veins and cracks that have begun to appear up the arm that go up into up up the shot you would assume is what everything else is on his face okay um do i get the sense that this uh contraption might be magical or mechanical i'm wondering if it's worth me kind of taking 10 minutes to identify or if it's just going to be a from your check you can tell that there is a what it injects is magical, but the contraption itself is mechanical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in that case, rather than identify, um, do, do, do you think we've we've got a bit of time, haven't we? I can I could just just cast myself a ritual, can't I? Um, oh, yes, I, I was uh, I was considering once we'd uh, examined the bodies in full and got as much information as possible, I was going to see if I could actually have a. A chat to Sir Archie. So uh, I think you've got time. Uh, I, I was actually thinking that this blue glowing business it feels familiar. I think it might be something that uh, Sir Ra might know more about when he's returned to us. Oh, brilliant! Well, I'll um, I'll, I'll get to it then. Um, I'd like to start ritual casting detect magic. Okay. Um, which for Rodi um, involves taking in as much empirical evidence as he, he can find of the, the world around. So he gets a tape measure out and starts kind of measuring the shoe size and then up the, the inseam and, and kind of just taking lots of facts and measurements from the uh, the bodies. Um, and um, as you can, um, the, the, the two who are near him, as he happens, um, start to kind of hear this kind of just rhythmical clock ticking as it it kind of builds up and builds up and you you just can hear this kind of ticking um, almost as if it's his inner thought processes are becoming uh, externalized 
Awesome. And while the pair of you are doing that, Rion, what are you doing um, now that you've seen that this body isn't so that of your friend? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been sort of paying attention to the chat. Um, I think at this point, I'm looking at the other, while Rodi and Ak are focusing on the sun, uh, Rion would be looking at the, the two other bodies, but more just sort of like Rion's a thief and doesn't really know much about investigating stuff. So actually it's just ransacking the bodies, I think. So sleight of handing, trying to nick stuff. You can <laughs> definitely make a sleight of hand check for me if you'd like. Cool. Oh. 29. Okay, roll me a d100, please. <laughs> 59. You acquire 59 gold pieces from the two corpses. Right. And then the other thing, so yeah, having having got a bit of money, um, like, I'm sort of interested in how these people died and who they were and all the rest of it, but really I'm just looking for my friend. So I would probably... Do I know of anything that, like an object that Mask would have, like a necklace or, or something? I mean, all else fails, I, I will try it with the, the red patch that they presumably have on their clothing, but... What, on the body of, uh, on the, body of the... No, 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 no sorry. Uh, Mask and Shadows, my friend, what, is there an object, something that they, would, they own that they carry around with them? Oh yes, right. Okay, so they have a they have a dagger that they are quite fond of. It's more ceremonial than Perfect. they're not. They're not the sort of thief who kills people. They just carry it around as like a ceremonial thing. So that would yes. be, and she would have had that so when I, she was in the orphanage as well. Right. Cool. Uh, then yeah, I would cast locate object um, while thinking about their knife. Okay, so you cast Locate Object. As you cast Locate Object, uh, both Zana and Armin will both come into the theatre area just as a ping hits off of your friend's dagger. I need both Zana, Armin and Rion to roll me perception checks, please. That's a big fat two. <laughs> That's a 20, not that. 18. 18. So as the pair of you step in, you hear this god-awful screeching sound come from the rafters as two cloaked figures dive down. Um, and you quickly raise your hands up and grab hold of one of these creatures and push it off as it backflips and lands in front of you, two daggers held out looking at you. You can see bright blue eyes and a scar going down one side of the face. As two more figures come out of the where the stage area is, four figures in total come out. And that's where we're going to take a break before we hey. roll any sort of initiative. You mean they're not friendly? They don't just want to say hello? <laughs> they could do. They might be, they might be persuaded. Hello, we're here to kill you. 
Hey, Dot. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, everybody. We're going to take a quick five to ten minute break. We shall see you soon. Bye. Not if I see you first. Yes, you. Welcome back, everybody. In the first half, our group of adventurers that you see around me now came together at the behest of Melnor Sinclair, a handler within that work, operates within the city of Neverwinter. They have given the group a job to investigate a murder that, or a group of murders that have taken place in the Blue Lake Theatre within the Blue Lake District. Creative naming, I know. The group made their way to said theatre and quickly discovered that the staff members are acting slightly strangely, like maybe they've had some sort of compulsion placed on them. Don't know. They investigated the bodies and discovered that they are people that both Ak and Rhodey know, Mr. and Mrs. Rockland, and the attacker was their son who had been presumed missing for the past two weeks. And as we left off, as Miss Zana and Aman walked into the main theatre area, they were set upon by two cloaked figures diving out of the rafters, with another two coming out of the shadows, just as Rion cast detect objects on his friend masked in shadows, Dagger, which pinged from the left-hand side of the stage. And that is where we are going to pick up now. Could everybody roll me initiative, please? What's a six? Twelve. And twelve, yep. Also twelve. Which one of you has the higher dex bonus? Uh, Me, I think. I've got a plus four. Yeah, plus plus three. Five. Okay. Team. Go team. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, team. Oh, oh, team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All okay. like, huh, hello, friends. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'll be honest with you now, the bandits didn't roll that high. So... They're bandits, you say? Well, bandits is what I've named them. Bot devices, I don't know why I did that. Anyway, <laughs> as the combat starts, these two figures come out from the what would be effectively be the backstage area. Rion, your ping pings on the one on the left-hand side, and as you turn to look, you can see, uh, almost in like a feline pouncing position, a very familiar figure, your friend Mask in Shadows, but there's something different about her. Normally, her eyes would be a very feline yellow, but instead they are a bright, almost flame-like blue. Her She's got what looks to be a scar going up the side of her face, which is emitting a blue light from it. And as she begins to crawl forward with two daggers in her hand, one of them being the dagger that you've identified, which you know that she wouldn't normally use in a fight, you watch as they both erupt with with blue flames. From the other side, you see a smaller figure, probably a dwarven figure, wearing same sort of robes come out, wielding a scimitar-looking weapon that then lights up with blue flame as well. From the rafters, Miss Zana, you dodge out of the way as one lands just next to you, wielding two scimitars, blades flaming. 
and the final one smashes straight into Aman's hands, who grabs them and flings them backwards. As they backflip and land, they've got a scimitar in one hand and a dagger in the other. And as they look towards you, blue flames erupt. All of them have the same thing, scars going up the side of the face, flaming blue eyes with weapons that are now emitting blue flame. And we will start with Rion, as you rolled the highest. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so I think, first of all, he would just say, Mask, Mask, what's happened to you? I don't know what that accent was. Uh, as talking is a free action. They... That's the name of a show we do. I know. <laughs> Check that out on Friday. Guys, guys. The tabaxi that looks back at you just growls almost in like a feral way as they begin to crawl closer to you and does not reply to you. And how far away from me are they? I would say, because there's a hundred seats, there's a hundred seats in each of the rows with you being probably the fourth row up. They are probably about 30 feet away. Okay. Uh, I would... I want to just run towards them and I think at this stage I don't want to hurt them so I just want to grapple them okay, thank you. okay make me a contested grapple check then please dear oh dear yeah that's only a 9 oh well I rolled a 10 so <laughs> I did roll much better as you run up and go to grapple them you watch his mask and shadows just dips and rolls out of your, in a very cat-like fashion, just moves out of the way and hops up onto one of the chairs and just begins sneering and growling at you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... Yeah, I'm not going to have anything as my bonus action. That's, that's all. Thank you, Nikki. At the end of your turn, that makes it Axe's turn. The, um, they've all got this trail that looks like the fuse, right? Yes. Does it look like it's... Can I see anything that looks like an actual fuse spark that might be going along? Mm, I'll give you this for free. Doesn't look like it. You can see that there's a faint blue glow that's going up through the crack in their skin. You can see there's a very light blue glow emanating underneath their skin as well. Or Amon, this is very recognisable to something that's happened to you previously. Um, but you can't see like a sort of thing happening. Okay. Uh, I think for the moment, not, um, none of them have strictly attacked yeah and the way that rion reacted you specifically said referred to your friend right you specifically yeah. said mask out loud okay um i will i, I ak will draw from in their robes um a, a quill that's on a, a necklace that's got a, a single um black feather looks like a kenku feather on it and will write in the air uh, with it. Uh, 
just the word calm and and it'll just sort of appear in spectral blue writing and then as they finish the the end of the M, the word is going to fly over and kind of wash over uh, mask. I'm casting, I'm seeing if casting command will work on them. Uh, could they please make me a wisdom saving throw? Is command a charm effect by chance? It, yes, likely. Uh, let me. Da, 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 da. No effect if the target is undead, if it doesn't understand your language, or if command is directly harmful to it. Uh, doesn't say anything about charm, actually. Ooh, it is an okay. enchantment spell. Oh, that's fine. Wisdom saviour. Uh, yes, please. Kadoki, so they have advantage with this. That's a natural 20 on the first roll. Uh, <laughs> so as you go to command them to calm down, you... You watch as the wave of magic goes over them, but the the blue parts of their eyes where the scar is seem to flare up, almost causing the magic around that you've cast to evaporate around them, causing no effect. Curious. All right. Uh, I, can, I only have spells as my bonus actions, so I will leave it for the moment. Okay, dokie. So... At the end of Axe turn, that is then going to make it Rody's turn. Blimey, with a 10. Okay. Um, I think that I'm going to... Um, I wasn't wasn't expecting, you know, things to, to jump out at us, so I think Rody's instinct is just going to be to try and um, protect those kind of dearest to him um and he is included in, in that number uh, i'm going to cast aid um on ak on zana and on myself um so that is uh, your hit point maximum and current hit points increased by five for the duration um and it's not concentration either which is nice um so yeah um Give yourselves an extra an extra five to to play with. Thank you. And um, similarly, I don't really have anything to do with my bonus, uh, or nothing that I want to do right now. Yeah. Right. So after Rody's turn, you watch as these four figures begin to move around. It, other than mask in shadows. It seems that the others all seem to move in unison with each other. And the one that is in front of Aman is going to dive forward with the scimitar and the dagger and is going to attempt to make two slash attacks against Dior. Yes, well, my AC is not that high, so it's probably fine. I rolled a nine, so that's not going to do anything. That was with the scimitar. And as, as they go to bring down, you just... just dodge out of the way and they go for another attack sort of like a striking uppercut with the dagger uh, which will be a 24 to hit oh misses that oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry what uh, that will be six points of piercing damage and six points of fire damage great squad 12 as it slashes into your almost open chest area the flame itself licks up afterwards 
sort of cauterizing the wound so there's no arteri arterial spray from it. And the creature almost does a full 360 spin and gets down into a crouching position ready for you to attack back at it. The one next to it that's just in front of Zana is going to lunge forward both weapons out, two scimitars out, and it's going to go for two attacks against you, Miss Zana. Yeah. That is a 25 to hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that hits. Yep, yep, yep. So you will take eight points of slashing damage and three points of fire damage. And the second attack, which is a not loading. There we That's go. That the is going. Attack of all. It's devastating. Yeah. Not loading. It's never... That's it's 14 to hit. Pardon? 14 to hit. No. No. So the first scimitar mm. plunges into the side of your shoulder. The flame erupts and causes uh, an intense pain to rush through your body and as it goes to swing around for another attack it the blade itself is blocked by your pseudo dragon which is still sitting on your shoulder and the tail whips it off causing the blade to, to arch over the creature takes a step back flings both blades into a reverse position and sushes you out for you to attack it back the dwarven figure unfortunately you can only move 25 feet and all of you are 30 feet away so it moves moves <laughs> round to the center aisle and begins making its way up it will take the, the dash action to actually get into effectively base contact with Rody and Ak but it's unable to make any attacks this turn but it looks menacing and mm -hmm. <laughs> Mask in Shadows is currently perched on top of the chairs she jumps up almost in like a barrel roll motion away from you rion and she, you watch as two flaming daggers come out of her hands and hit into you hopefully uh with a 25 to hit yeah and a 15 to hit no Okay, so you'll take seven points of piercing damage and two points of fire damage as one of you dodge out of the way of one of the daggers, but as you dodge out of the way of that one, you inadvertently dodge into the way of the other one, and it hits you in one of your pectoral muscles. And but you what as you go to look down and go to grab it, it just fizzles out and reappears in her hands. And uh, how much damage does that sorry? That was seven points of piercing and two points of fire. Uh, and as we discussed before, Josh, um, uh, when when Rion gets hit and takes damage, um, they they kind of reel a bit, and and you see everyone else sort of sees their face twist up, and they hunch over, um, and their entire body just sort of almost explodes and grows in size. Uh, from they were maybe about four and a half, five feet tall, uh, and suddenly they look like um, a maybe seven and a half, eight feet tall ogre. Um, their loose clothing is sort of stretched across the body, um, and they have entered into a barbarian rage. Uh, anyone, anyone. Uh, anyone around, I suppose, would probably, if your character is familiar with changelings, would realize that Rion is a changeling. Mm -hmm. And with That's that, my react. Yeah, sorry. And with that epic 
attack, a big amount of attacks and transformation. That is then going to make it Amun's turn. Cool. Uh, I think Amun like goes to his chest where the the scarring is, but instead of touching it, he unlocks a belt and pulls out his Adachi with the scabbard still on. Um, I'm going to bonus action rage, and when he does, he just opens his mouth and fangs pop out. And as he does so, the like the scarring on his chest just slowly starts to knit together again. That's like the resistance kicking in. Um, and I'm just going to run at this one in front of me and just beat it over the head with the the great sword. But it's it's non-lethal damage, hence why I'm keeping the scabbard on. So yeah, fantastic. Make uh, me an attack roll. Ooh, that's not great. Mm. I think that's only a 15. Yeah, 15 to hit. 15 is exactly what you needed. Ooh, something we have in common. Yes. Okay, so I think when I'm raging, it's a plus two now. Uh, yes, excellent stuff. Oh, I can reckless attack, actually. So I'm going to do that for advantage. Yeah. Reckless. Reckless. Which meant nothing. No. Six plus four is ten points of damage for the first attack. And then I... Yeah, they're still standing, presumably. Still standing, yep. Cool, and then I'll strike again at them uh, recklessly. Oh, okay. For a twenty-four, that will definitely hit. Oh, that's a lot better. Fifteen points of damage. Oh, yes. And he's probably just like. He's probably just swinging hard at their body, just like straight into the torso, straight into the torso again. Just not, there's no skill to this. He's just beating them with a bat, essentially. Almost like Like two. Steins. <laughs> yeah. Just attacking into them. The creature tries to dodge and block the attacks, but the full force and ferocity of your, of your strikes clicks into their body, causing them to buckle down onto one knee. And as they go to stand back up, you almost like spin around and baseball bat them straight in the chest, causing the wind to get knocked out of them. They drop one of the weapons to the floor, but it sort of evaporates as it touches the floor and forms back in their hand. But they look like they took a massive blow from that. That is my turn, for I cannot do anything else. Use bonus actions, actions. I seem to have unlocked my angelic presence once more. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Miss Sana's go. Okay. Um, I, with permission, I'm going to cast Enlarge on a moon. And that yeah. will give you like um, extra d4 to your attacks. And obviously make uh, give you advantage on strengths and stuff like that. <laughs> Sib, sib, sibble. <laughs> the hell with <laughs> And also with permission, with my bonus action, can I get uh, my beetle to try and help flank to give um, a little assistance? 
little flanking bonus. Yep. Would you like it to flank the one that's attacking on moon or the one that's fighting you? Fighting a moon. <laughs> Just to assist. I mean, for uh, a little probably... uh, game thing, I have advantage because of Reckless. Okay. So if you want to use it, that's totally fair. Okay. Fair do. <laughs> then that's uh, with me then. Hooray! <laughs> so as you cast your enlarged spell, how does that look as it comes? Where does it come from? Hands, goggles, contraptions? It uh, mostly comes from hands, but it's uh, the, her movements are very almost t- tinkering her, his body from afar. Just oh, I like that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's like golden fingertips. As you're tinkering away with the spell, you watch as a moon begins to grow, then begins to shrink, then begins to grow again as you're tinkering around with it until eventually he reaches the size that the spell allows. As that happens, your beetle friend rolls up into a ball and almost rolls around you, because it was behind you at this point, rolls through Mm -hmm. the door around you and gets around to the back of this creature that is attacking you, uh, is basically going to do the help action to help you on your next turn. Awesome. Okay, so uh, anything else? No, that's it. (laughs) Okay, back to the top of the round, and it is Rion's turn again. Cool. Um, I am going to... Now that I'm raging, uh, just attack. Do I want to do a thing first? So where... So I'm still sort of in the seats, yes? So you would have gotten to the bottom of the centre aisle and over towards the left-hand side. So you're right where the stage area is. So you've got seats behind you and the stage in front of you with like an open space. And where exactly is Mask? Uh, Mask is on the left-hand aisle. They've sort of backflipped and jumped and sort of barrel rolled and landed on the outside aisle, if that makes sense. So there's an aisle and wall there for them. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Being as I've I've now a very large person, um, or not very large, technically medium. Uh, can I cheekily, bonus action, hide in the seats as I approach them? Because I'm a rogue. <laughs> Flipping rogues. I don't know. Make, make me a stealth check. Sure. Uh, that's a nat one for an 11. So as you go to hide, you walk up to the chairs and you crouch down. But because your body is a little bit larger than what it normally is, your head and upper torso part just sort of stick out. Yeah, okay, fair. Fair, totally fair. Um... Uh, and in that case, then I will. As I'm as I'm doing that, I'm sort of crouched between the seats, um, like you know, a lion in in the the long grass or something. Um, and as I go over to them, I pull out uh, both a scimitar and a hand axe, uh, and I'm going to take two attacks at them. Uh, so my hand axe is a 16 to hit. That will hit. And the scimitar is going to be 
70 to hit. That will hit. You can roll damage for both. Cool. So, eight, six, and then I get da, 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 plus two plus two, so ten. 18 points of damage. Sorry, I had to do quick math in my head then. Uh, yes, so... Uh, uh, just was... a second, sorry, I have another thing which I don't think is a bonus action. No, it's not. Um... So being from the College of Swords, Bard, uh, I have a few things I can do. Yeah, so the first hit... Uh, I'm going to use a slashing flourish on, um, which does another five points of damage. Oh no, sorry, that's not the one I meant to use. It doesn't make any sense to use. Um, I will use a defensive flourish, which means, yeah, they take five extra damage and I also get to add that to my AC until the start of my next turn. Awesome. So your AC is now five points higher. Yeah. It's nice. Okay, so as you move in and you begin your, basically your flurry of attacks against Mask of Shadow, she tries to dodge out of the way. She it looks like she's going to get out of the way of one of them, but you nick the side of her shoulder with the corner of your blade. And as you go to bring the hand axe down, she does block it with her own daggers, but the sheer strength that you have in the position that you're in and the form that you're in causes the axe to fall down into the bicep part of her arm, uh, causing her some damage. You don't see any blood pouring out of her, though, from the cuts that have been dealt to her. Okay. And no reaction to the pain either. Anything else on your turn? Uh, nope, that's all. Okay, so it's now Ak's turn. Ak, you have got a rather angry dwarven person in front of you, uh, along with Rody, who has just cast a aid on you. Lovely. So there's just the one next to us, right? So there's, is that four total? There's four in total, yeah. Yeah. One one with Rion, one with Amun, one with Scarlet, and one with Mizana, and one with Rody and I. Okay. Indeed, yeah. Uh, I think the Aquil, um, still holding their quill, will turn to the one that's just rocked up to us two uh, and just say, um, uh, excuse me, we are in the middle of a murder investigation. Please, uh, could you leave us alone? This is not casting a spell. This is just talking as a free action. <laughs> Did they respond in any way? Their response to you is, Argh. Okay, I, I see. I see the way this is going. Uh, we'll draw um, a spectral quill this time in the air, um, and it will sort of rise up and and take... Slight, it's still relatively spectral, but will take on a slightly more tangible form um, as Ak casts their spiritual weapon, uh, and I will make a melee attack roll with the spiritual quill. Oh, that's a bit rubbish. Uh, that's an 11 to hit. The As the quill goes to attack, its form hasn't quite solidified and it sort of goes through the creature. 
A dwarf. Axe like, no, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're gonna have to come back and try again next time, okay? Um, and then we'll again turn to the the dwarf in front of me. Please excuse them. They they are trying. Uh, we'll have to deal with this instead. And uh, we'll quickly scribble out a bell in the air. Uh, can they please make a wisdom saving throw? Because I'm casting Toll the Dead as a cantrip for my action. That is a even with advantage because it's a spell. That's a natural one. Hey, hey, roll two no. ones. Roll two ones. Jeez. <laughs> that will not suffice, I'm afraid. Uh, the bells toll as the as it hits them. It kind of reverberates around their head. Uh, they take a whole eight points of uh, necrotic damage. As your bells ring and what looks like blood begins to pour out of the ears, uh, again, you notice that there's no reaction to this pain. They just seem to be taking the damage. This does not seem ideal. I'm assuming I, I am within melee range of them, right? They came right up to us. Yes. Then I will not try and take a step back. <laughs> I will stay there. Okay. At the end of Axe's turn, that is going to make it Rody's turn. Awesome. Um, so there's one right in... Um, right up close with Ak and myself. There is indeed, yep. Yeah. Um, it is in okay. your face, I believe is the correct combat term for it. Yeah, okay. Um, in your grill. Or in your grill, yep. Yeah. My, my grill is indeed um, being upend. Um, burgers. <laughs> Hot dogs. <laughs> Toasting some buns. Um, cool. I would like to. Um, so I've seen uh, I've seen Zana get hurt um, by by one of these things. Um, how many of them? If I if I were looking around the room and I were trying to um, cast a spell with a ten foot radius, how many of them could I get without also getting anyone that I like? So you cast a spell and get just the dwarf in front of you or the or mask of shadows that's in combat with rion down at the end of the arena i call it an arena or you could cast it and catch the two that are fighting both zana and amon but you would also catch um zana's beetle in it as well mm. i don't think zana would um would forgive me the, the, Although... the look the look of the look that you just got tends to agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think I shall just have to rely on uh, Ak to give people hit points back if uh, if it comes to it. Um, right, in that case, I am just going to go for a very simple cantrip. Um, I will use Mind Sliver. Mm -hmm. Um I kind of um, draw energy from the uh, from Macarnus and um, start to slow down um, the uh, the dwarfs' um, synapses and, and thinking processes, and they start to kind of jar as they they're just not quite able to access their, uh, their their brain in the way they want to. Um, 
That is an intelligence saving throw, please. A he intelligence save for who? Yes. That is a 12. A 12 is not enough. Um, so that is um, seven points of psychic damage. Um, and they must um, subtract a d4 from the next saving throw that they make before the end of my next turn. As you cast this spell at them and their mind is invaded, they almost withdraw into themselves and they let out a screeching cry. And as they look up towards you, you can see blood is beginning to pour out of their eyes and out of their ears further from the effects of the tolls of the dead. But they have, it looks like they've been seriously affected by this spell. Mm hmm. Um, and again, I um, I'm not going to use any of my bonus actions. So I am, um, and and similarly to Ak, I'm just going to stand there frozen because I don't want to get slapped. Okay. So your turn is done. It is the bandits' turn. The first one that will act will be mask in shadows. They look at what you've just done to them, uh, Rion, and they will use a bonus action to disengage away from you, and they run almost like rolling underneath you and beginning to make their way towards the backstage area. As they do, they will do some rogue flippy shit again, and they will begin throwing daggers at you. Uh, two more, to be in fact. That is a 14 to hit and a 21 to hit. Oh, yeah, the 21 hits. Okay, you'll take eight points of piercing damage and six points of fire damage. Mm -hmm. uh, is that already the piercing half because of my resistance? Well, that is not, no, so it'd be four so, and six. Four and six, cool. The sort of haphazard way that they've disengaged and moved away from you and done the whole flipping uh, caused the first dagger to soar straight over your head. They misjudged how tall you were. The second one, though, however, was a bit lower down and hits you in the upper part of your leg. Uh, the dagger itself again disappears and both reform in her hands as she is seemingly backing away towards the curtain. The Dwarven fellow, who is looking very hurt at the moment and is expressing his pain, just pulls out two light hammers and begins attacking into... He's going to do one attack on Rhodey and one attack on Ak. One Ak attack, as it ah. were. Attack, Ak, 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 Ak. Attack, Ak, Ak. So against Rhodey, that'll be a 16, and against Ak, that's going to be a 10. Does not hit. Uh, shield. Okay, so as Ak just steps a little bit out of the way to dodge the attack, the other one looks like it's going to connect with Rhodey. Uh, Rhodey, I have a feeling how this is going to look, but just describe how your shield looks. Um, I think it's, it's got a very kind of um, clock like face like um like like one of those um 
clocks that I think pretty much everybody's nan had, like with the with the dome. It's kind of almost like Rhodey just gets covered by the dome of that, and you can almost see the reflections of the uh, the little spinny ball things and the. This might not be a thing in America. Very British. The time yeah, clock, I think. Everybody's nan had a clock. That's just something we have in in Britain. Everyone's nan, nan without clocks. fail. Nan yeah, clocks. that's what we call them. Nan clocks. <laughs> My nan's clock. As the light hammer hits into this shield that you've cast, the flames lick up the the dome that's formed, and a small crack begins to appear as it's recoiled off, and the the wolf is almost recoiled and step, takes a step back from it. The shield part heals and then dissipates around you, but it hasn't been able to hit you. The other two, the one that is up in combat with Zana, seeing this large mechanical beetle-type creature appear behind it, is going to stand sideways with its two scimitars, and it's going to stab towards you, Zana, and then backwards stab into the beetle. So against you, there's mm-hmm. um, the natural 20. Of course it is. Of course, course it, is. it is. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that is mm. going to be uh, eight points of slashing damage and eight points of fire damage. How the hell did that roll the exact same? 16 points of damage in total. <laughs> and then against your beetle, uh, that is going to be a 16 to hit. I gotta look for my beetle's shizzle. Beetle's shizzle. Oh, it's 15, I think. 15, yeah. 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 So your beetle will take six points of slashing damage and two points of fire damage. As it connects in, causing a critical blow to yourself and causing... um, some minor scratches to the beetle itself. It is then the one that is fighting against Aman, and this creature does the whole sort of spinning its weapons around and then leaps in the air with its weapons both pointing down and it's going to go for like a multi-stab attack against you. It'll have advantage as well. It will indeed. Makes no sense for it to have advantage if it's just like, if it's parading the fact it's going to attack you. Like, this doesn't do anything. This is it's because I'm are. open. I'm open, do you know what I mean? I've been reckless with my attacking all night, so... Someone's just been like, yeah, great flourishes, pal. Good work. <laughs> Mark, please, please, Have a go. try. So, the scimitar is going to be a 17 to hit you. Okay, that is going to be six points of slashing damage and three points of fire damage. So, nine halved is... four? Yes. Yes. Wait, right. why is math why is math so hard to all of a sudden? It's four and a half, but you wrote that. Math. Ah. Why why are numbers? <laughs> numbers. <laughs> uh the second one was uh that is going to be let me just click on that. That is four points of piercing damage and three points of fire damage. That was a very low roll. So that's three in total. Yes. Great. I love resistances. As it stabs into your chest, almost its feet are on your abdomen area and the blades are in in your shoulders. It pulls the blades out and uses your body as a springboard to flip backwards and land on the floor. This one, other than Mask and Shadow, seems to be the most acrobatic of the four. 
oddly enough. But anyway, that's their turn done. And that is then going to make it Armun's turn. Great. Uh, I don't think Armun's realized that he's bigger. I think, I think, so his eyes are usually like this wonderful golden, like sun, yellow and orange kind of color, but they're currently just deep red. Um, and he's going to just look down and I'm just going to bite him. Oh, okay. Um, so that is, and I'm going to do it recklessly, uh, is a 21, I think, to hit. Just picturing a reckless bite is nom, 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 nom. <laughs> I, th- I think as, as they're like, as they're like jumping off of my torso, I think he just like leans in and just chomps onto their like body. Oh yes, twenty-one is definitely gonna hit. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'll take the health. Um, a D four, but it's an extra D four because of being big boy, um, being enlarged, which is great. Plus and five, great. Oh, I'm going to get some decent health back. No, I'm not, because I rolled two ones. So (laughs) that is a total of seven, seven uh, points of piercing damage, and I will drink his blood for a further seven point of healing. When you drink drink this creature's blood, it burns, not to the point that it hurts you, but it's almost like a ghost chili pepper type Oh, there's a real spice to this blood. Ah, just like home. I'll then beat him with my <laughs> scabbard. Yep, go ahead. Great. Okay, so that is... Uh, what is it? Okay, either a 14 or... A 14. I rolled two sevens, and I think that's too low, isn't it? That is too low. The, the spices from the bite just off-put your blow slightly, and it cr- just ducks underneath it. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't have any other bonus actions. Uh, yeah, unless you like, allow off, offhand, unarmed strikes. Yeah, why not? Bonus action, go for it. Great. I guess I'll just boot him. Yeah, why not? Uh, the rules—they'd be more like guidelines. That is a fifteen. That hits. That'll do 1d4 uh, damage. It's just, uh, oh, apparently here it's just 5 plus my rage. Unarmed, isn't it? Sorry, I thought, yeah. I thought you meant the butt of your weapon. Yeah. I just do 7 points of damage with a good kick. Oh, oh no, oh. plus a d4 because I'm enlarged. Enlarged, yeah. Uh, 7 <clears> plus 2 is 9. 9 points of damage in total. So I'm you know, him. Do you know what doesn't help? Is when you delete the hit points before getting even the total and then you forgot what the number was. <laughs> it's all right. He's got a little less than what you probably had anyway. But yeah, uh, you boot him almost Spartan kick style and he, he he's not able to dodge this. He goes into the stack of chairs and falls down two rows before stopping and looking like he's clumped in, but he just begins to pull himself up. He's still alive. He's looking very bloodied as it were. Uh, at the end of your turn, that makes it Zana's turn. Okay. So, um, I'm going to... I'm going to cast... Blah, 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 shocking Grasp 
directly to the per the person's face with the scar. Because I want to see what that does. <laughs> okay, roll because your beetle friend is on the other side. Roll that attack with advantage, please. Ooh. I like mm -hmm. doing flanking. Twenty-six. Uh, that hits. Roll some damage. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And you're targeting the scar specifically, yes? Mm -hmm. That's okay. six. Okay. Um, let me just roll something quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. So as your... I take it your hands sort of light up and you do almost like a defibrillator type thing to... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So as you do that, you watch as this uh, electricity courses through their face to the point where, you know, in cartoons and stuff, you see the skeleton underneath, you see the skull underneath, but at the same time, you hear almost like a like a ticking noise and you watch as the skin around the scar begins to singe all the way up and you just watch as this explosion happens in the head. Can you make a dexterity saving throw, please? Ah, uh, Okay. <laughs> Very well. 18. 18. As this brain matter comes towards you, you're able to dodge out of the way. There was no damage involved. I just wanted to see if you got covered in brain. Uh, this yeah. creature just falls to this creature that hadn't been hurt, just falls to the, falls to the floor, head. Or well, we found their weakness. <laughs> Electricity to the face. <laughs> Many creatures' weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything else on your turn? Uh, I will shout out. I got one! <laughs> <laughs> and I will move BE uh, behind another assailant. Yeah, uh, the one. So you could either move it to. I would say that your beetle friend would be able to get to. Definitely would be able to get to the one that Aman's fighting. Mm -hmm. Or you could roll it down towards where the dwarf is, but he probably just get to the side of it. So in order for Ak or Rodney, uh, Rody, sorry, Rodney, Rody to get advantage, <laughs> they'd have to move to the left of him to, in order to get it. Um, I will help uh, Rody. Mm -hmm. I will move it up, uh, to the side, but I can also attack with my beetle. You can indeed. Oh, this is a beautiful beetly boy. Beautiful beetle boy. Beautiful beautiful boy. Okay, let me just a roll. No. Eleven. Eleven. As your beetle boy rolls up, he unfurls a bit too early. So instead of using his full body weight to crush this creature, he unfurls and just pokes it with his nose and. Unfortunately, doesn't do anything. Well, what would be considered a beetle's nose, but it doesn't do anything. Beetle be trad. <laughs> Squirts him with a bit of beetle juice. Don't say that three times. He uh. <laughs> tried so hard. <laughs> beetle guys. <laughs> anything else on your turn, Zana? Uh -uh. At the end of your turn, it goes back to the top of the round, and it is Rion's turn. The uh, Mask in Shadows is 30 feet away from you now, as they have duck, dodged, and rolled, and have begun making their way to the backstage area. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so I realised I 
screwed up last time. Um, because uh, I don't, I like, I don't have an extra attack. I have two weapon fighting, so I couldn't use my bonus to hide. But it didn't give me any advantage, so I don't feel too bad about it. Um, it just means I'm not going to do it this time. Uh, yeah, raging. Just will charge up on stage, scimitar and hand axe, and take take two swipes at. Um, uh, mask. Uh, does anybody does anybody else here speak goblin? Hmm. Yes. No. Okay. Uh, and like while while running towards mask, you might witness that. Um, yeah. Uh, Rion is shouting in goblin. Um, but nobody knows what they're saying. I guess. Uh, cool. So that with the scimitar, it's an at twenty. Oh yes. Oh yes. <sighs> Come on. Um, which does eight? Then so that does ten points of damage. And then hand axe has uh, only only an eleven. So you strike out with your scimitar causing a critical blow to mask and shadows catching her across the as she's ducked down in almost like a, a prowling position your scimitar strikes into her collarbone a shoulder blade sorry at the back and you scrape that along again you don't see any arterial spray of blood or anything come from her as you go down for an attack with the hand ducks, she sees it leaps up onto your hand, almost like a, 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 a normal-sized cat would, and then just without any weight to it, propels herself off and lands in front of you. Cool. Um, I'm sorry. I would like to have used the defensive flourish again. Um, no, that's fine. First attack, which means yes, another six points of damage, and I get six on my AC. And that's my turn. Thanks. I put the wrong number in. I gave her more hit points than I should have. <laughs> I put the right second number in, but not the right first number. So, but yes, um, you can tell looking at her that she is bloodied, although she's not expressing that she's injured. Cool. Um, also, my the College of Swords stuff, each of them gives me an extra 10 feet on my movement. So I would like to have gone past her and like get in the way of her running backstage and getting away from all this okay yep so you do that you block block her path she's looking at you and you can see that her eyes are frantically moving around the one of the daggers disappears in her hand and begins making its way up towards her cloak and you can see that there's a contraption on her arm At the end of your turn, that is going to make it Axe turn. How how injured is Ms. Zana and Rion looking? Big, gross. big wide eyes, huh? Pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> she bleeds. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Will, uh, how's Rion looking? Um, hurt, but not bloodied. Okay. Quite. 
Uh, Ak will uh, turn to Rody and uh, say, uh, "Sir, R- Rhododendron, Jinzik, Butterscotch, Garamosh, Montgomery, Dax, uh, could you please take care of our assailant here? And we'll try and step away. Uh, I have an AC of 16. I don't know how uh, how our friend is with um, the opportunity will, They will attempt an attack against you. That is a 18. That will, that will hit. <laughs> Okay, so you will take four points of slashing damage and one point of fire damage. Right, that's fine. Uh, but I can still continue scooting a bit closer to to Mazana. You can do, yes. Yeah, it doesn't stop me from from moving. Uh, actually, that's a good point. Is Mazana within thirty feet? Yes, because she would be within both both Misana and Amun would be within twenty feet of you, and Rion is has moved to about forty feet now away. Ah, interesting. Okay, uh, what I would like to do then is—is is that a concentration? Yes, it is. Hmm. Uh, no, no. I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna scoot over to Mazana. And uh, as uh, as Gar uh, as Ak, excuse me, is approaching, uh, where's my spell? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll just um, reach towards Mizana, and you just see that same sort of blue spectral energy. Um, they've not had to sketch it out this time, but kind of fizzles from their hand, and they'll tap you on the shoulder for a cure wounds to the value of. Oh, hey, that was good. 18 points of healing. Fucking hell, that's Ooh. very good. Wow. Thank that you so much. and an eight on the dice. Uh, bonus action, the quill, is the spectral quill, spiritual weapon, is going to turn around and try and attack the dwarf again okay. uh, with a, a plus eight. Oh, man, it's really not. No, that's the same roll. There's an 11 again. <laughs> it just it, kind of swooshes back it, through it. And it's just like, if a quill could look confused. It does. It's like. It sort of float in there and it sort of tilts to the side as if it's confused. I really need to be paying more attention to you. I am so sorry. We'll try again next time. That's what I've done. Okay. At the end of your turn, that makes it Rody's turn. Okay. Um, so Rody heard um, Zana shout out that um, uh, the the lightning helped. Um, Rody doesn't know any lightning spells and kind of just sits there like thinking, and you know you can almost see the kind of faint um, equations and things floating in the air in front of his eyes um, as he um, starts to to concoct something. Um, from his metallic backpack, um, a pair of arms, kind of uh, uh, metallic, uh, sort of metal arms just kind of come out, um, holding various scientific apparatus. Um, I'm using my Mizium uh, apparatus to cast Witch Bolt, which I do not know, um, which is going to be a, uh, a, a roll. Um, yeah, it's an Arcana check. Um, the DC is 12. Uh, to see whether I can cast Witch Bolt. Yeah, go for it. 
Yeah, easily done. That is a 19. So, um, oh no, it's not. It's a 22. I can't count. Um, so yeah, I am casting Witch Bolt. Uh, so that, I believe I then actually have to make the, the ranged spell attack as well. So I'm just yes. going to do that. Um, 19 to hit. 19 will hit. Now, my question to you is, mm. Rody, are you targeting a particular area of this creature or just the creature? I'm fairly certain that Mazana said to uh, lightning the face, so I'm going to witch bolt them in the face. Okay. And as you do, you mm. witch bolt them in the face. There's no need to roll damage no. for it because the... Again, the same as what happened with the creature with Miss Zana, the scar itself begins to light up, char up the skin bits, and then explodes out of this dwarf's side of this dwarf's head. Roll me a dexterity savings throw, please, to see if you get covered in brain matter. Devon. You get a bit of brain matter on your very nice-looking outfit that you're wearing. Oh dear, oh dear. But that is the dwarf taken care of. We just have Mask in Shadows and the rather acrobatic one that is fighting Amon left. Uh, if that is the end of your turn, that will make it their turn. Mm -hmm. okay, so uh, there. Can, I, can I just sidebar? Is Rody one of the Chuckle Brothers? Do <laughs> me, Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that is it i yeah I, I don't want to use my uh my sorcery points just yet so i'm good okay so it is now the bandits go the one that is attacking Armun is going to it's going to try to attack you now please remind me did you attack recklessly last time you did with the bite didn't you yeah i so did with everything you did it with everything Ooh, so it will attack so i'm going... two sevens so all of them <laughs> Um, can I use my reaction to restore balance? I want to turn that to a flat roll. Yes, you can. Yes, so the first attack will be a flat roll. The first attack was going to be with the scimitar anyway, which does more damage. So that is a 13 to hit. No, no, no. No, no, no. So that misses, and the dagger attack is going to be a 16 to hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will take five points of piercing damage, half to three, two, half to two. And three points of fire damage. After one. Yes. Great, so three oh, just, Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, Path of the Totem Warrior, so all the resistances bar psychic. Yep. So as they move in, the attack with the scimitar looks like it's going to hit, but some strange clockwork things happen around it and cause it to miss and they just swing up with the dagger not quite getting the full force of it their own arm seems to get in their way because that's how i did it that's how it's going to happen and it just catches your chin and causes a cut nice it doesn't do an awful lot to you uh, the other one uh, mask in shadows seeing rion in their way is going to move up to you and is going to attempt to move past you with the disengage action they get down they've been a lot of the fighting that they've done has been on all fours they've mainly jumped up and thrown their daggers around rather than actually coming at you and trying to stab you 
so they still on all fours run and go to move under your legs using the disengage action they're able to get through and they disappear behind the curtain and you can't see them that is the end of their turn there is just the one fine arm on left as far as you're aware and that makes it no that's them that makes it hang on my brain's just us almonds and there we go i'm gonna proceed to beat the shit out of them with this scabbard <laughs> go ahead um i'll recklessly attack as always yeah for a 19 it's uh dealing um oh it's eight plus let me just get pluses right it's plus six yeah eight plus six. Oh no do it this way 19 points of damage in total for the first attack I... they still awake but just okay great well it's always good for a second attack then. yeah uh that is i mean i think that attack knocked the wind out of me let alone them mm. Reckless. Oh, that's a natural 20 for Reckless. Okay. Great. Well, you don't get that many dice. I, I will let you roll the damage for the satisfaction of it, but they only have five hit points left, so no matter what you do, they are unconscious. <laughs> but now I have, like, six dice in my hand. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, one less. <laughs> so, I mean, roll it for satisfaction now. I'd like to see how much damage you do on a crit. Okay, not great. <laughs> oh. Uh... Six, ten, fourteen plus six is twenty in total for okay. a critical hit. And I think he just I think it's one down and then as they're like sort of stumbling away, I think he just bats their head so hard that it just it just clean colds them out. Causes them to do like a lot of the flipping stuff that they've already done, but they spin right around and then just land face first on the floor completely unconscious. That is effectively the end of combat. Rion, you're able to go and have a look around the backstage area, but you cannot see Mask and Shadows anywhere. They have uh, seemingly disappeared. But the rest of you, you have one unconscious bandit. Um, I, I think then, yeah, uh, Rion would be crashing around backstage for maybe three or four turns, like smashing stuff until... The, the sound sort of abruptly stops and then not the same young child uh this one is um a young dragonborn um with uh copper skin or looking like a young dragonborn with copper skin wanders out from backstage same clothes um and you can you might notice that the, like their clothes have like don't seem any more damaged than they were previously this so this is a thing that happens and they come the hulk yeah, yeah. Mm. uh and, how do we know it's you though um can we roll insight do we do we know or are we just like ah who, who, who and who are you are you, uh, are you they're, they're carrying the sickle uh, not sickle the scimitar and hand axe but they're they sort of wander out looking a bit dazed and really quite dejected um and we'll look around at all of you and are you, are you all all right 
seem to be. Yes. Uh, yes uh, sorry about the um, the uh, the mess. I sort of like look at all the blood down my body. Oh dear, oh dear. Let's let's get you cleaned up. And anyone who's kind of probably starting with myself and the brain matter, um, but I will go around and I will prestigiate people. Um, I probably give a subtle mending to Axe clothes while I'm going around as well. <laughs> I have a ripped shirt actually. Oh yeah, of course. Thank you. So you've got an unconscious body, uh, two additional dead bodies. You can roll insight or perception to see if this is Rion or a new figure, but judging by the way they've spoken, the clothes they're wearing and the weapons they're wielding, and with the transformation that you saw from them before, you could quite easily put two and two together if you want to. Um, but yes, uh, combat is over. What would you like to do with everything that has happened? I'm going to get uh, BE to uh, partially stop the unconscious one from like getting up or moving, not to squish, but just to grapple. Basically, sit on a, a part a of them. Sit. A gentle yeah. sit. A gentle sit. Try and cover their hood because we never actually saw what they look like. No, yep. So you uncover their hood. They look. Elven. They've got the the elven point, the pointed ears of an elven person. Uh, again, they've got the same scar going up the face. Um, their eyes are closed, so you can't see the colour of their eyes. But from close combat fighting with them, their eyes were bright blue. Their weapons have the flames on their weapons have dulled, as have the flames on the weapons of the ones that have been killed. Can I lift that eyelid to see if they are still blue? You lift the eyelid up. You can see that the scar itself is still pulsing the same blue, but the eyes are a very dull blue. Hmm. Still looks unnatural. Can we restrain them somehow? Like, have they got rope on them, or I think I might have some rope. Yeah. You've got a large beetle sitting on their legs. But their hands are still free. But their hands are still free. Yeah, I'd like to, like, hog-tie this motherfucker. Yeah, you can do that, yeah. Cool. Plenty easy enough. You're an experienced adventurer. You're able to do that without any checks or anything needed for it. So we have some news about the the, the attendants down the hall. Is that they also seem to be suffering from a similar kind of mind control. All follow orders very easily, but uh, none of them are, have this strange blue thing. Uh, we've come across these creatures before, uh, my yes, friend. Yes, you said I, this was what you encountered before you came to us, correct? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Who who had done it to them? I don't know. Um, My friend and I were hunting down a vampire called Mordecai. He's very evil from very far away from the lands of Zakar, where I am from. And uh, Well, my mother has been hunting him for years, even longer than since I was born. So... He's very old, very strong, very powerful, but I've not heard of him using this technique before. This is new, even for me. Why did you have reason to believe he had come to Neverwinter? This is what I do. I hunt vampires, and this is where the 
the betrayer led. Our mutual friend. Uh, how do I pronounce it again? Earth uh, 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 Shield. No, no, the other person. Uh, oh. Malone? Oh, Melnor. Melnorn. Yeah. Melnorn Sinclair is digging into this for me. Uh, my friend, uh, Ethos, is missing. They were the person ah. that was hunting Mordecai. We'll just turn and look at Rion. With a, I don't think Kangoos have eyebrows, but uh, a quizzical headcock. It's not, it's not eyebrow, it's a feather brow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, my mask went missing, and well, now they're like that. So, if your friend's gone missing, then there's a good chance they're either dead or or like that. Yes. Well, it's good we have one captured. You are all very trained well in mystical arts, and probably have a greater understanding than I do. But I'm at least sorry, we, can... we were we were not able to catch your friend, Rian. That's okay. I am. Um... She she knows what happens if if I get her. And I'm just glad that she got away before I did something I'd regret. If we are able to uh, wake up our, our new acquaintance here. I might be able to try and tap in a little bit to see if there's anything controlling them. If I can get a sense of that, maybe. It's one of the skills Ogmar has lent me. Uh, Otherwise, uh, my other suggestion would be to speak to one of the more departed people here to see if we can get anything from them. I think we should start there. I would be cautious of waking anybody up under mind control. I feel like uh, usually these kinds of things are two-way streets. Maybe, but it might give us insights into who exactly is controlling them now. This is awesome. Now, you you are all the uh, experts when it comes to the mystic arts. I will happily heed to your greater knowledge. Did anyone have anything specific that they thought might be useful to ask? I, 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 my preference of the the four, well, three in the room that uh, seem to have had this blue on them, my preference would be to to speak to, to the late uh, Sir Artie Rockland, considering uh, I somewhat knew him beforehand, whereas these two, looking at the thugs that attacked us, I have no idea. Does that help with the questions if they knew you before? I don't know. Uh, I'm uh, well. Actually, no. I probably would know that because uh, Doctor Whipplestitch probably would have done it before. Yes. Sorry, I can unmute <laughs> for a second then. But yes, um, you 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 would know that casting speak dead with a figure that you are familiar with gives a sense of can sometimes give them a sense of calm if they do realise that they are dead. Uh, with these faces revealed on these bodies, can Zana make me a history check, please? Yes. Yes, I can. Oh, the six. 
Six. No, that's fine. It was a, it was a pretty easy check, but you you get the feeling that you've seen these faces somewhere before, all of them. This is mm-hmm. while Ak is preparing the speak with dead spell. Right. I get a little closer just to try and drop my memory just a little bit. There's something about them, but your memory of them is less of a 3D aspect and more of a 2D aspect. Well, that that, that definitely looks... Well, these features there... Hold on. I'm going to get my binder out of all the missing people and try and match the faces. Takes you a little bit of time because some of the pictures might have a nose that's a little bit bigger than what it should be or a little bit smaller or the ears are slightly larger or the face is rounder than what... But you are able to identify that the three... Yeah, the three bodies that you have here, uh, as well as uh, RT Rockland, are all in your binder as missing people. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. They're all missing. Well, <laughs> I, I guess not quite missing. Well, you know what I mean. They've all so been on posters. That's that's concerning because if um, oh, this 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 young one here, that one went missing previously and then and then they were saying that a hooded figure jumped out and killed killed his parents so someone's sending people to kill the people that they know does Ah. seem to be the way Amun did you recognise the one that attacked you? have we covered that already? I did not just an elf but that was the case with Rion, and well, I, I don't think that I don't think Mask was sent here to kill me. I mean, I don't think anyone really knew I was going to be here. Yes. So, uh, so a bit of information that I should have given you before that I can completely forgot to give you is that these people are all wearing mixed match parts of armor, and they have the symbol for the dead rats on them. Uh, the thing that sort of stands out to you is these people are not were-rats. Do you think that maybe this is because the... What was his name? Uh, Din, the dead rat outside, might have also... Uh, this might all be connected because he also said that they had lost... Horatio said they'd lost an area, an underground layer, to uh, some force, so maybe they have taken all their armor uh, and wearing it for their own troopers, this mind-controlled army, as it were. Possible. Perhaps, perhaps. I can uh, I can ask Artie. Does, actually, is Artie also wearing the, the dead rat's armor? He is, yeah. yeah. And was, was Mask also? <laughs> From the brief glimpse you would have got of what she was wearing with all of her bullshit rogue flipping around, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, through all of this conversation, Ak would have been um, pulling out uh, uh, incense and been sort of wafting it around Artie in preparation for Speak With Dead. Okay, so you cast Speak With Dead and you watch as 
Artie's form begins to move. I was going to say like a deep breath, but it's not like that. He just his eyes open, completely glazed over white, and he sits up forward. Uh, you can see that rigor mortis is sitting proper up with him now, so it's very quick, cracking, creaky, and bone breaking sort of thing. But sits up and looks at you. Act doesn't seem to be uh, bothered by this at all. This is completely normal. <laughs> Greetings, Sir Artie. Uh, my name is Ak. We have met before. Uh, we assisted your parents with your brother when he passed. Just stares at you. I was wondering, could you tell me what happened to your face with these blue marks? What blue marks? Interesting. Before you came to the theatre, where did you come from? I've never been to the theatre before. I hear it's nice. Yes, it is quite lovely. Where did you get your armor from with the dead rat symbol on it? I don't own any armor with dead rat's armor symbol on it. I don't even own any armor. Interesting. Bear with just a moment. <laughs> we'll turn to everyone else. He seems very confused. Does... I will be careful not to word this like a question. If anyone has any suggestions of other questions they might like to ask, please do suggest now. We, sh ask we should. Him. You'll go. I was we just going to say ask. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say ask him what the last thing he remembers is. The last thing that I remember was walking through the streets of Blue Lake, going back to my parents' house because I had just been accepted into the Neverwinter Academy on a scholarship. And I walked through an alleyway and then some hooded figures approached me. And then I remember music and that was it. Could you describe the music in more detail? It was very soothing and it made me feel calm. And he plays back down. Well, I suppose that was some help, at least. The uh, the victims have no idea what happened to them. They're very confused. But the music is a, a large lead, I suppose. The vampires use music? Well, I would like to say that Artie was captured in the Blue Lake District. We found these blue figures in the Protector's Enclave District. How far away is that? Uh, the Protector Enclave District is to the south. It's in the southern part of Neverwinter. It is also where the temple to Ogmar is. Or the House of Knowledge, as it's known. Perhaps we ought to speak to the, the dead rats about the territory that was stolen from them. See if it might be somewhere on the way between where Artie was coming from and his parents' house. This was a week ago as well, so lots of time for things to happen. Hmm. It occurs to me as well that we probably want to uh, 
well, you know, we've got one of these 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 folk with uh, with with the the blue and the the, the um, you know, injector thing. We we probably want to see if we, it's possible to try and you know take it off them without killing them. Because I mean, if if we're looking for Rion's friend, then um, you know, yeah, it'd be good. It would be good to have a practice at getting getting rid of it. There is also some young adults who work at this place who are also under a similar spell. Miss Zana can vouch for. Uh, their uh, their charmness. Very ass scratchy. <clears throat> Disgusting. <clears throat> oh. Did, did they have okay. those things on their arms as well? No. No. They seem to be under some sort of compulsion to follow each other. I mean, you just wait. Look, watch this. Hey, everybody, sh- stand up. <laughs> Don't see. You can't see them, uh, but you would assume they've stood up. Oh, can we not see them from here? No, you've come into like the main atrium but area. Then I won't have. Sh- then I won't have shouted. Okay, it's fair. <laughs> but uh, you yeah, do, however, you. you do, however, hear a commotion coming from the from the area where those employees are, and you can hear a muffled argument between the guards because you would have heard them speak before, and some other figures that are trying to enter the building. Um, with a passive perception, with a passive perception of over fifteen, act, you would hear one of them say your name. Oh yes, I was supposed to secure the the uh, the pass for the the rest of the Ogmark Temple folks to come and collect the bodies. Uh, do excuse me, everyone. I will be right back, and we'll we'll shuffle towards the door to uh, to sort it out. As you shuffle towards the door, you can see that these guards are trying to block. Uh, two other clerics of Ogmar from entering. These two pre- these two clerics are one's a human and one is a dwarf. They are trying to push past, and as soon as they see you walk through the doors, you can instantly see that there is a look of terror on their faces, and they're like, "Ack, ack! Have you seen Doctor Whipplestitch? Have you seen them? They ha- they never returned to the temple. She was in the tavern with us. The checks notes." Sleeping Dragon Tavern, not too long ago. She Why? sent us a message to say that she was returning back and that we were to come up here to help, to aid you. But we haven't been able to find her. We went looking for her and we came across uh, her pendant and picks up a pendant, pendant that you would have given her outside, outside one of the alleyways near the tavern. But she's gone. And that's where we're going to end. <laughs> yes. So that is where we are going to end tonight's session. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for tonight's show. If you enjoyed tonight, we play every Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. BST, because it's currently British Standard Time, uh, 10 a.m. PST, and you can also, that's on Mondays and Tuesdays, and you can also join us on Fridays for our chat shows, Talk Together, and Talking is a Free Action, again, from 6 p.m. BST or 10 a.m. PST. All of our shows are streamed at twitch.tv forward slash RollTogetherRPG, and you can find all of our content archived at youtube.com forward slash RollTogetherRPG. There are also podcast versions of all our shows available everywhere. Just go on one and search RollTogetherRPG and you will find it. We'd also like to say a massive thank you to the D20 Club on Patreon. Their link will appear in the chat on this side of me, I believe, in a moment. I'm going to do the heart symbol as well. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you can join them. Uh, every penny helps and will, uh, helps us make this content that you can see right now. Uh, also, another big thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters. And don't forget, we are also on all of the social medias as we're all together RPG. Uh, thank you for watching, and we will see you soon. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> and you. And you.